This is the recumbent corgi. Has the corgi been mid-journeyed yet? That's what I want to know. <laughs> you imagine? That would be wild. Corgis would be somewhere between minions and dumplings, I think, in the <laughs> hierarchy. They are little dumplings, aren't they? <clears throat> I, I accept your challenge, Jason. <laughs> Corgi, minion, dumpling, playing poker. So going to have Alex in, into the style of MC Escher just for fun. I've been doing uh, Klempt because it, it's almost graphic, but it's it's understandable. I did Millennium Dumpling, and I got that. Well, that top right is terrifying. Do they move? Well, on the top left, it looks like that eyeball is melting Indiana Jones style. It's just going to fall off of him. There are so many details in these images that help get them across that uncanny valley, like in this series of illustrations, to have the signature uh, in the ink that the uh, the artist would have been using for those illustrations. Just uh, like it, it's that that cherry on top that really blows my mind. Yeah, the pen stroke that that, um, that chiseled tip. It's perfect. It's top cat. And also after playing with Dolly a whole bunch uh, to see how Mid-Journey understands the, the tremendous importance of eyes compared to, to other generators that are operating right now. It, it really, it, it's just amazing. Sorry, I'll, I'll ease off the gas pedal. We've got a whole hour. Oh, it's a deep, dark rabbit hole. In such a good way. Dark rabbit hole. There's one. In the right, style, who gets to it first? In the style, I'll give you... Go on. In the style of... And just, uh, just a warning, I will do my best to adhere to the Fenwick Framer, but most of today will be me leaning into the monitor. <clears throat> Alex is coming in as a steampunk hawk today. That's a Millennium Falcon. It's misspelled. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to see a Dr. Seuss interpretation. That would be cool. One fish, two fish, red fish, a skew fish. Green eggs and ham.
I hear Dennis Champion Walker. It's so awesome. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours. If you're watching on YouTube, you can find out more about what we do at officehours.global, our virtual uh, virtual media production. That's what we do here. So if you've got questions about that, let us know. Uh, our second hour is usually something you want to spend a little bit more time on. And today we're going to talk about mid-journey, uh, our best idea of how it works. I don't know if anybody knows how it works, but our best idea of how it works um, and what we're using it for and where we think it might be going. So if you've got questions about mid-journey, let us know. And uh, we'll do the best we can to say what we know. <laughs> like it's it's all brand new. Uh, but we'll be exploring uh, AI and how it affects a lot of these things uh, in the in the coming days. So stay tuned for that. Um, and a reminder to our producers: uh, a lot of times we're getting more questions than we can answer. Your votes are important. So go into Mukana, vote things up, vote things down. Let us know what you want us to talk about next. All right, let's jump into the questions. Mitch, what do we have? Thank you, Alex. First come is uh, Cindy Drazda in Erie, Colorado. I do wood turning demos via Zoom. I use a Rode Wireless Go 2 with a cardioid head worn mic. I want an audio interface that can adjust the balance between background machine noise and voice. Uh, go ahead, Jason. I would say uh, if you could afford it, a Mix Pre 6 with noise assist is the best that there is. And um, if you can go cheaper than that, I would probably get a, a mic that is more um, more directional to, to just kind of get it all, get all the off-axis rejection that you can. Yeah, it's interesting. The, you know, the cardioid head, head-worn head mic should do a pretty good job of, of getting rid of a lot of that machine noise. Um, I'd be curious to see how it's pointed as well. So is it pointed straight out or is it coming? You can also look at mics that are going to come around a little bit um, so that you can kind of adjust exactly where because where that cardioid is pointed is super important so um, so think about you know it'd be interesting to know what kind of mic you're actually using there um, I don't know whether you're actually miking the wood turning if you're doing that then you need a couple channels so the question is are you getting all the audio that you're using out of your head worn mic or are you getting it in a mixture of mics and if that's the case then you have to figure out how to get that GoPro and take the that, that uh, eighth inch jack and get it into a XLR and then get it into a mixer. And then you can kind of mix between it. And, you know, something like a Flow 8 might do really well as well. It's a little less expensive than the Mix Pre. Um, the, the hard part you'll have with uh, noise assist is that noise assist really likes things to be constant. And when you're doing things that with, with your lathe and doing other things like that, you're gonna, it's not going to be as constant. So it may not be quite as good at taking some of those things out. And it might even have, I'd be really curious to see what it does because it might be irregular as well. It might be coming in and out as, as you change things. So you just hear something going, rant, 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 you know, instead of the whole piece, which might be more disconcerting than, than just hearing it. Uh, next question. Mike Edwards, Brooklyn, New York, asking, morning, guys, currently working on a wall mount rack build outside of AV units. What essential units should I account for? For example, uh, PDUs, cooling, cable management, et cetera, trying to decide between 12 units or 19 units. Thank you. Go ahead, Grant. Definitely 19 units. I don't think anyone <laughs> yes. anyone has ever said, gee, I yep. wish I had less space in my rack. 
Um, they always, you're always yes. saying, I wish I got a bigger, yeah. larger rack. Um, and because initially, uh, if you don't have all the gear to fill it up, then you spread everything out nicely, um, makes it everything easier to access. Um, and if you really have a lot of room, then some patch panels, you know, like bringing things out so that you can, you can really easily access things either from the front or I guess if it's, if you're mounting on the wall, then yeah, bringing things from the back and having them accessible at the front makes things really nice. Um, so patch panels is one thing, definitely power management, cable management. Um, there's some really cool, um, racks that will, will hold cables in there nice and neatly. And so then you can think about um, particularly Cat 5 and things like that, Cat 7 or 8 or whatever we're talking about, bringing them forward and having them come into the switches and stuff just um, neatens it all up. So more space is better. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. You're going to need a better mount for it, but the higher end of the wall mount rack unit, and by the way, yeah, 19. I'm sorry, if it's not a phone booth, it's not a rack. Um, but no, you need um, the ones that are a hinge, you know, that, that, can, that can bend away from the wall that you can actually tilt away so that you can get to the back. Those are extremely handy. And another little piece, uh, these are going, coming in Alex's way soon so I can get to the post office. These are rack studs. This is a one unit version. You can actually buy them as a single piece. But what these do, depending upon the rack you get, is they pinch in and then they allow you to, from the front, um, be able to, to tighten and loosen without any tools, um, and they're good for a 50-pound mount or something, and they're just spectacular. Good. Uh, Mitch? Somehow I'm thinking 24, because once you've got all that stuff in there, you're not going to have a lot of stuff left over for putting your audio gear in there. Um, I would go with like a Middle Atlantic uh, audio rack, uh, but if you're doing computer work, you need a completely different rack rail system with a captive uh, nut in it to hold uh, the, uh, the system. There's a different measuring uh, units that they have. But uh, like uh, Jason said, you got to consider access to it. You can't expect to get in from the front all the time. You need a, a swinging rack that'll, uh, that's hinged and will allow you to, to swing it out from the wall. Yeah, go ahead, Sky. Yeah, and to that point, I was thinking of maybe even wanting a little uh, small, like a little refrigerator that goes on wheels that you can also get behind, but then roll around uh, in and out of the way. But I was also thinking with regards to your quest, a drawer. You always need a little drawer to, if nothing else, a place to put your, your tweaker screwdriver. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Guy. Yeah, one of the things that I have that's handy is the ability to pull a monitor and keyboard out. So it's a little uh, one, I think it's one RU, and it pulls out and then it flips up and it's a monitor and a keyboard. So you can control a server and it's hooked up to four different servers in there so I can KVM through them. The other thing is, of course, a battery backup. And then if you can, a back, backup of the switch. So if the switch dies, you can hot spare. That's uh, one of the things that we have hooked up. So we can literally just unplug everything and plug everything back in if uh, a switch dies. Yeah, the thing they're always taking into account is time. How long is it going to take you to build this rack up? And, and um, you don't want to, like we just did this. We had a, I put it in a smaller rack because it was simple and that's what I had available. Um, and uh, and I, we just had to move everything from, you know, for office hours from a smaller rack to a full rack. Um, the, the, yeah, a couple of things that I just want to highlight that we've already talked about a little bit. Wheels are great. Putting it against the wall cuts half your rack out. You know, like basically your rack is now attached to the wall and there's all kinds of things you put on the back, the patches, 
um, power, all kinds of other management stuff that you're now pushing to the front. So I wouldn't put it on a wall unless I had to. Um, there are reasons to do that, but but I would really try to avoid that. I would say 19 is the minimum. My preference for a rack is 42. Uh, 42 on wheels uh, is a great size. Um, it's basically a full rack. Um, think about depth. Um, so look at the equipment that you're going to get. Usually a safe depth is about 30 inches. 30, you know, 30 inches is going to get almost anything you can think of in there within reason. Um, and uh, so think about that that depth. Um, if you It'll feel silly if you get a whole bunch of like Terranexes and everything six inches deep and you've got a 30-inch rack. So that's a problem. But really think about that because you're going to run into things that don't that don't get into it. Also think about noise dissipation. So one thing that we do do with smaller racks is buy ones that cancel out noise. They can cancel, you know, 40, 50 dB of noise um, in there. And so when they open it up, it sounds like a jet engine. When you close it, it's nice. And you can also – usually they have intakes and you can push AC into them <laughs> So if you, if you need to. So there's a bunch of things that you can do there that, that make it a little bit – um, better. I I would. Uh, the last thing I'll say is, you can get racks where you can screw either a a, a twelve twenty four or a or a, um, a quarter twenty into it, or you can get server ones that have the what what uh, Jason was talking about. Either you have metal slugs that go in, or you have the plastic ones that that Jason's showing. I would really su suggest getting the server grade ones that are squ they're squares and they don't have anything to screw in because when you when you strip something going in which you will you now <laughs> don't have that space anymore <laughs> you know so there's nowhere to put you can't you know it's not it's not going to you know, retapping it is a, is quite a thing so so you really want to be able to replace those those um, in there rather than having to do it and once you get good at it I'm I'm looking forward to playing with Jason's. I've gotten pretty good at with just the regular metal ones of putting them in very, very, very quickly. Um, but it does take a little bit of practice. Go ahead, Jason. Well, and just to complete this, I'm sure everyone on the panel knows, but um, racks only vary by depth. They do not vary. That that standard RU, that 19 and a half inches, is an industry standard, and it, it does not change. Um, doesn't matter what country you're in. None of that matters. It's really just a matter of whether or not it's threaded and um, you know how, it, how it's accessible. But um, only the depth is what you need to take into consideration. And I, I would say be liberal in that concern because, as Alex said, a rack is actually double-sided, and some of them are quad-sided. Those are even more – we won't get into that. Go ahead, Mitchell. Yeah, don't forget there's other things you need, like a drill to get those rack screws in there. Because you could spend a lot of time doing that. But I'd be concerned also the weight and how do you get wiring into and out of it. It could look unsightly. So a roll-around low boy might be the way to go. The um, when, If you are going to use a screwdriver um, to do it, make sure that you very carefully plan the tension – of that screwdriver so you're not stripping anything or making anything too deep. You want to make it pretty light. It doesn't need to be, you're not, you're not trying to make it permanent. You're just trying to get it in there. I will agree with Mitch though, is that, um, that doing it with your hand is a great, it's a great exercise. And if you do it enough, you can probably build up some great forearms, but you will find that you do a 42 uh, U rack with your hands, which I've done. Um, you won't be able to, you'll have a hard time picking up the fork uh, for most of us who, who don't do that all the time. So, uh, so definitely um, a powered drill or really I use powered screwdrivers for it. Um, the other thing, the other little trick, if you have people to help you with racks is I tend to lay them down. So I tend to lay my racks down and put everything into them um, and then and figure out exactly what I want. And then I, then I, I punch them all out and then pull them back up again. Not for a 42, but it's something small like a 19. I think that that's, that's usually what I would do. And just let you think about it and get everything just where you want it. Um, next question. 
Cindy Drozda from Erie, Colorado, asking, Zoom OSC has a history of quitting and kicking me out of the meeting. I'm using 411. How can I ensure that it doesn't do that? Upgrade to Pro, sign in with Zoom instead of join WOL login. I'll go ahead, or without login, I think, or join without login. Um, go ahead, Grant. Yeah, I, I, would, uh, I would not be looking so much at the particular software as uh, I would be the machine. There, there, there must be something else that's going on there and trying to troubleshoot that a little bit. One of those things would be um, running on another machine, different configuration and see how that works. Um, one of the things that, that we often love to do is to, is to uh, format, a, format a computer and start again. Um, you know, it's a, it's a healthy thing to do like every six months. And that's the type of thing that I would be looking at is to, is to reformat that machine, start it all fresh again, install it fresh, and then see if that, if that problem continues. Cause I would think that it's something that's interfering. Some other software is, is, a, is conflicting with it. Yeah. A couple of things there. Uh, try Mac if, if you can, if you have one laying around, just see if it, if it operates any differently than the PC does. Also, you know, one of the things you may want to do is use sidecar and see what commands are being run when it actually dumps out. So, um, you know, you should, you want to see what is attached to Zoom OSC and then also what commands are being sent um, as the app closes, if you can. So try to figure those things out. And then, or this is the most important thing is when something's crashing, Try to get to a point where you can reproduce it. So just, I do step one. It's not that it crashes sometimes. You want to find, there's a, you know, apps generally are very predictable. We don't know what that, what that, what, what the steps are, but, but the key is to find those steps. I did this, I did, I have this PC with this operating system. I did this, 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 boom, it's gone. And you can do it every single time. I can do this every time. If you go through that, that work and then you send it to like info at liminal, uh, uh, liminalet, uh, at, uh, dot com. that's going to help them move much faster. If you tell them it's crashing, they don't know where to start. If you tell them, I did these six steps and it, and it, and it thumps out with this operating system, the chances of them getting it fixed, if it is a bug, which it probably is in some way, shape or form, um, is much higher. And, and getting good at, at documenting your bugs is useful. Next question. Next question from Douglas Carmichael. In the hotel I'm staying at, the hot tub lights cycle through different colors at night. How's that done? And would there be a product that does that? DMX, controllable waterproof fixtures for the residential market. I go, Jesse. Um, if, if you're talking about the mechanics of that, it's uh, a multicolored LEDs. What I've got is a strip of LEDs and a controller here. And you can see that some LEDs are turning on. The, there's red, green, and blue in here. And as I cycle through the different colors, uh, it just brings up different values for the red, green, and blue LEDs. Um, absolutely, we got deep into LEDs during the pandemic. My son is a light sleeper, so we had to figure out a way of communicating throughout the house without making any noise. So we installed multicolor LEDs with remote controls. Go ahead, Mitchell. Yeah, Jesse is exactly correct. And uh, by the way, be careful. If it's a hot tub time machine, you may end up uh, into yesterday. <laughs> Go ahead, Jason. My guess is uh, you, you're way overthinking this. It's not DMX. It's nothing of the sort. It, it's um, it, it's not even waterproof. It's just a light bulb that fits properly in the enclosure that, you know, is behind that little, um, you know, threaded and sealed piece in the hot tub. And they make, I mean, you can go to Lowe's and get these multicolored light bulbs that will simply cycle that are just, you know, RGB, sometimes RGBW LEDs that, you know, have their own processor and their own controller. So, yeah, I, I bet it's completely on its own. 
and there's a lot of ways for you to do it. I mean, again, DMX is a great is a great protocol, and we're going to talk a lot more about this as we go into 2023. But the other thing is, is there are so many things out there. For a project I had in October, I bought like I don't know how maybe a hundred string lights uh, to find different different sizes and controls and everything else there. And there's a ton of really cool, as Jason said, lower level protocols than DMX that are relatively inexpensive that can do a lot of these things and they can attach to your phone. Um, you can send commands out of your computer. There's all kinds of ways of managing it. And we'll talk about a, a bunch of different ones. I just got new ones for my, um, like this for my Christmas tree. I'm never going back. <laughs> like, like it's so much fun to sit there and I, I don't, you know, I'm, I didn't find the tr Christmas tree very interesting until I put lights on it that I could control. So um, anyway, it's a lot of fun. Next question. Mike Beardmore, Reading, UK, asking, the Zoom updates to 5.13.0 includes version downgrade prevention. Why is it necessary to prevent rollback? You know, I don't have a strong answer, uh, uh, but this is this is oftentimes, you know, d dealing with corporate, you know, situations. So, you know, you know whether if you're trying to do enterprise and everyone's updating, you, you kind of don't want them to go backwards. The big problem that a lot of us have is that um, when we do an event, one of the things that we've we found is that we did an event assuming that pro, that features were there for all users, and then some of the users didn't see those features. Like a good example is when we had multi-pinning for spotlights for a long time. <laughs> when we first did it, I got really excited. The first week it came out, I was like, okay, let's do events this way. And we started doing it, and then we found out that like three-quarters of the folks that were there um, couldn't. Uh, they just saw one picture and we had no control over it. And it was, it was really not, not a great thing. So, you know, there's a, you know, there, on a corporate level, <laughs> there's a, there, or even on an event level, you kind of want to do something where you kind of force everybody to upgrade and then not let them go backwards. Um, and, uh, and that way you can kind of keep everybody in, in pace. Um, so I think that that's probably where that, that inspiration goes. I don't think it's a technical thing. I think it's just a, trying to keep everybody on the same page. Go ahead, Mitchell. Don't they plan uh, built-in obsolescence so that if you slush back to a previous version, it's no longer supported by the OS or some other features? It can be, or even just the system. It's really taxing to start supporting 10 or 12 different versions of a, of a product. Um, so by constantly, by constantly saying, okay, once you up, get up to here, you can't go back, means that over time, they can just simply push the other ones, um, you know, push the older um, processes out, which are generally, in my experience of Zoom, not... Um, it's, they never go to, they never, they very rarely add something that I wish that could go back. <laughs> you know, like it's, sometimes it's a little premature um, at times, but, uh, but in general, I don't feel like I, I wish I went back to the way it was a year ago or six months ago or even three months ago. Usually it's, it's moving forward. So, um, but I think it has to do more with that, that kind of management process. Um, next question. Guy Cochran from Seattle, USA. What lighting instruments are the panel using to color their backgrounds? I go ahead, Tom. I'm using a little violet splash back here on the window, and it's a Nanlite 6C. Uh, go ahead, Javier. I'm using Hue lights. Uh, this one, the warm one, is an Edison light, like Edison bulb, and it's only warm. And the other one is called a Hue Go, that is like this round lamp that you, it's plugged in, but you can check it out, and it lasts like between two hours and 10 hours, depending on the level. So you can, it changes colors, but you can move it around and put it whatever you want, and it, it's battery powered. Go, TJ. I used to use the Hue lights, and when I had to turn them down, they started to flicker with my frame rate. So I switched over to using the Aperture B7C lights, and I have them in a, um, whoops, wrong one, 
simple uh, fixture here that uh, you can buy at any hardware store. Uh, and uh, Sky? I have a Nanlite, and it's at grabbing level, but it also has the feature that I'm plugging it into a USB connection in a power strip down here. And it's, uh, when we first bought these for like $80, $90, I was thinking this is going to be almost a disposable, but these are very robust and, and very flexible too. Yeah, and uh, Mitchell? I have a let-go tube. It runs from the back all the way over to here. There's a uh, very pole in the back, so it washes everything behind me with a little bit of blue light, and I can put anything on it. I can also increase the temperature. And for an accent, I have an Elgato light strip right behind my head, that little thing that goes from one side to the other. Go ahead, Jesse. Uh, so we got into last year, maybe I mentioned this, uh, LED lighting, which uh, is just so much fun. We do a lot of these strips, we buy them and we attach them to shelves and walls to light from the bottom up. And then the star field is uh, just uh, like a $15 star field off of Amazon. All right, go ahead, Jason. This little purple splash that you see down here is uh, a one-by-one -one LED panel that was really cheap. Uh, GVM, or Great Video Maker, is about as cheap as you can get for uh, for an LED panel that, that won't flicker. And, um, yeah, just control it over, uh, over Wi-Fi, and it works beautifully. And mine's a mixed panel 60 from Nanlite. Uh, next question. Next question is in from me. Uh, with the cold weather having to deal with extreme static, what do you do to avoid sending electrical arcs into your gear? I go, Tom. Well, if you've got a little spray bottle and some fabric softener and water, cut it half and half. Uh, just a couple of little mists and the carpet will not generate static anymore. Uh, uh, Mitch? Yeah, they have pads that uh, you can roll around on that uh, tend to absorb the static in some way. Uh, the other side effect is you can see my hair is starting to stand straight up. So we got a lot of static going on. And if you touch uh, equipment like your microphone or your keyboard, you risk uh, restarting your computers. That can be a problem in a show like this. I go ahead, Jason. There's an old-timey um, spray can that, that I actually i have been using forever uh, my grandmother, like way back when, would use them. It's called Static Guard to, um, you know, a wool slip like that would go under a, a woman's dress, completely break static. But you can basically um, spray it, you know, anywhere in any vicinity, and it will just completely destroy any static field that builds up. And I skip Jesse. Jesse. Oh, uh, humidifiers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good, Grant. Yeah, I've I, I got a friend, uh, he's named uh, GPT, and, and he suggested that uh, increase humidity, <laughs> uh, use a humidifier, wear shoes with non-conductive soles, use a static, disp uh, a static mat, use a grounding strap, avoid synthetic materials, avoid using lotions or creams, and touch a grounding object. There was eight of the um, suggested options, and they had uh, sentences explaining all of them. So he's a good <laughs> friend of mine. Go ahead. Uh, he's, he's great, just a little crazy. Like, you know, the problem with him is he sounds so normal, and then he'll just give you a flat response, and you'll go, oh, that must be true, and, and he's crazy. He's crazy. Just got to remember that. Go ahead, Mitchell. I used to work at a radio station that had his radio automation system back when they used tape reels. And it was behind glass in a back room, and they were very proud of all the gear and electrical stuff. And if you walked down the hallway and you didn't like the song that was playing, you could uh, just shuffle your feet like that, and the static would go through the uh, floor 
into the automation system and cycle it, sometimes not so well. You know, all of this is, is related to, you know, what we would call stray voltage. And it's basically a buildup of um, electrons wanting to get from, from one place to another. And they really want to get there. And if you don't let them, they're going to find a way. Um, and I think that there is a, um, a, a probably a whole second hour about stray voltage because it's it's the thing that bother you know, that is really a thing for us. It's what we get. It's why we, why you, the, what, the static electricity that you're talking about is also why we hear buzz in an audio line because it's using the audio line to get home you know and, and it's also kills cows just in case you're wondering and, and it's um and so there's uh over time not all at one time but uh it does not like they disappear in a poof but they uh they stop eating <laughs> so so anyway because they're being shocked on their hooves uh because of the um they, they lean up against a piece of metal that metal goes oh i can get electrons through their hooves and well they don't know i don't know if it thinks that but it does it so um so anyway so there's a lot of you know stray voltage and it was interesting i was talking to a, a for a variety of reasons i've been studying stray voltage a lot recently and um i was talking to an electrical engineer and he's like we pretty much everything we've ever made since we started making things with electricity there's stray voltage and it's just and it's in the air it's in everything we're touching and everything else and we have to pay attention to it a lot less than we used to. But, you know, for us, when, you know, having a grounding strap with a with a mat that was grounded, you know, all these things were things that we did to make sure we didn't build up any stray voltage. Um, go ahead, John. So <clears throat> next to my, all my sensitive computers, I have a big block of aluminum and that's fed right into my, the ground plug of my, of my outlet. And so when I walk up to the machine, I always ground myself first and then I start working. It works great. I will say that when I work on a machine, I do plug it. I do have it plugged in and I tap on the chassis, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing it, then I unplug it. But I, there's the last thing that I do is as I have it plugged in, I tap on the chassis and I'll hear a little spark and then I go, okay, now I can, I can start working, um, you know, if, if, I, if I'm not grounded um, in that, in that area. Um, but yeah, you can do a lot of damage really fast. It turns out those, those little chips are not built for that much voltage uh, very often. Um, next question. Tony Mobley in Noonan, Georgia, asking, what is the ideal mobile setup to participating in office hours while traveling, hardware, lights, et cetera? Good guy. Yeah, I'm traveling now, and I'm using the Insta360 link, and I like that because you can frame yourself up. It's got the ability to zoom in and move left and right. Um, I do have a... Uh, I didn't bring it with me, but I, I usually want something to raise the computer up so you can get it more at eye level. And then ideally a second monitor. I didn't bring my second monitor either so that you can talk directly. Um, you can put the second monitor behind and you could uh, go right into it. I have a monitor behind me right now, but I didn't bring my DVI to HDMI adapter for this 30 inch cinema display that I could have taken advantage of. Uh, you kind of see it uh, there. And then I'm using two uh, ring or one small ring light, one portable small ring light that's like 59 bucks. And the reason why I asked the background question is because I could have stuck one of those Aperture B7s in that thing because it's way too bright. Uh, if I would add some ND, I could use that. For audio, I'm using a head-worn mic. This happens to be the DPA 4066 going into a Mixpre. That's pretty nice and compact. Uh, so that's computer, audio, lighting, camera. Uh, yeah, and then just, again, something to rise up the uh, either a stack of books. I've been in a lot of hotels where I've just had to grab whatever I could uh, uh, you know, take advantage of what you can for like my hair light that's actually coming in just off of the uh, the, fi the existing practical fi fixture that was there. So I took advantage of that. So try to look around and see what you what you can use. Um, I turned on like this computer over here that's running um, Ventura, so you can get a little bit of color. I turned on the Apple TV because this was all black space. So just kind of look around what you have that you may be able to take advantage of in the room and uh, make it look somewhat decent. 
But yeah, the Insta360 is a great camera uh, for 299 bucks. Uh, that's probably the, the number one. Yeah, I think my, my kit looks very similar to, to guys. Uh, I use four of the Nanlite 6Cs, uh, two on either side to, to light myself and two for color in the background. Uh, and then I also have the Aperture 7Cs, which I um, bring with me. And when the fixtures are Edison, I can screw them in and just take over the hotel room um, lights to, to make that happen. Um, and so th those are, yeah, and and so that's that's key. Um, the uh, I have a, it's... It's a broken, a brocoon, uh, B-R-O-C-O-O-N laptop stand, which I really love because I can fold it and put it in my backpack and I can, and it will lift my laptop all the way up um, to, to make that work. And it's just, it's really small when it's compact and it's really opened uh, when it's not, but it's a laptop stand and it, and it works really well. Um, either a Countryman uh, H6 or a DPA 4066 or my headset. Uh, same same as as uh, guy. I also use a, a mix pre for the for the audio to get to make that work. A laptop um, and uh, yeah, and hopefully a good internet connection. Did you have something else, guy? Yeah, I forgot the number one, which uh, I had to borrow, which is a hundred foot roll of Ethernet cable. <laughs> so I borrowed that, and it's strung down the hall, and it's coming all the way in here. So yeah, the USB C to Ethernet dongle, or I have the five in one one, and that allows me to get you know, a solid connection because that was what was uh, hindering me from coming on was I was just warbling out yeah. with the Wi-Fi. So long Ethernet cable. One thing that does that that will work a little bit better than Wi-Fi if you're in a hotel is typically your cell phone. So I, I've done a little bit of both. And, and if you're if you do a test with your cell phone and it works, the problem is you may burn all your cell phone. It treats that differently, even if you have an unlimited <laughs> connection. So you may have one meeting and you're, you're done. You get a little email that says you can't do that anymore. So, um, but but that is another thing to to consider. And then finally, with those lights, um, I have little light stands and, and a couple long ones. About half of my carry-on, if I go down to LA or something like that, is just this kit, you know, that all fits into about, about a half a carry-on. Um, and uh, it'll all, it's pretty compact. So, uh, and it's, it's worth it. Um, next question. From Art Aldrich in New York asking, speaking of racks, need some advice on the best way to handle cables, interconnects between the fly cases, mostly SDI and network cables. Uh, go ahead, Grant. Uh, looms. Um, yeah. So custom custom looms is the, the way to do it. And if you could have uh, uh, the, you get the boots for the um, for SDI and have different colors um, and have those twist backs as well. So they're really nice. Um, and, uh, and so that's really nicely color coded colors are better than numbers, right? You know, like it's just really easy to do. And then the other thing I'd just consider is that you might only need to do, um, that on one end, it could be fixed, um, on one of the cases. And then, uh, and then there's a place that you can loom, you coil the loom nicely and then slate place that in the rack. And so then when you when you get on site, you can, you've already got half of it connected and then you're only connecting the other half rather than having the loom, um, totally separate, but having it in a way and kind of, um, with heat shrink around it or the, or the, um, more, uh, accessible where we can get that, um, flexible hose sort of stuff that you can open and put more in. That's another way of doing it as well, which is really nice. So. Go Jason. The flexible hose stuff is nice. Recently, I've discovered uh, the neoprene that is, it basically feels like a mouse pad or a wetsuit and it has a zipper. So you can actually like you, you, you get your cables just right and then put it around and you can actually just zip it all the way up and down. And that, that has been an incredible thing just for kind of making custom snakes. I go, it's going. 
not as permanent, but maybe you don't need something as permanent, the Velcro straps that are also in color and various lengths and very inexpensive. And they can do a nice temporary job of keeping things tidy. Yeah. And, and the, uh, as best you can, uh, we don't always do this, but most of the time you want a convenience panel on the back of your rack that you're going to plug that into. So you're going to have everything go out to a convenience panel and then you're going to attach it to that back area and then you're going to send it over to the other rack. Um, sometimes we have those rolled up as, as looms that go straight in. Um, we try to avoid that. Or if you don't, if you do that, make sure that you have a strain relief on that loom. So you want to attach it to the rack somewhere um, because if you, what you don't want to do when you're going between racks is allow that stress point to be um, pulling on the connections into your actual devices. If you put it in a convenience panel, um, it doesn't. But if you're going to pull it out of one rack and plug it into another, which is very fast, just make sure that you really have something handled so that there's some slack in, in that loom and it's never going to get pulled off. Um, next question. Douglas Carmichael asking, how do Discord bot makers like Me6 make their money? It seems like they're a rather niche market. Go ahead, Grant. So, so Me6 uh, is installed on 19 million uh, Discord servers. Um, and they have a they have a premium. Can you explain what people what what people use me six for? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to the to to the question, um, how they would make money is their premium services, premium upgrades um, that they do. And uh, and and one of the uh, just a, a slight tangent on this is really interesting because you're talking about how they make their money. Um, and their their upgrade is actually only um, a, a small amount at particularly at the moment it's a um, it's a sixty seven percent off or something to do with this yearly upgrade um, and just quickly I heard this uh, I heard a guy from Domino's Pizza um, talking about how they make serious money Domino's Pizza they, and the thing that stuck in my mind is he said. Lots of these other their their competitors would be charging quite a bit more for their pizzas, and uh, they would be boasting how much profit margin they were making. And and this thing that stuck in my mind is he said you can't go to the bank and bank twenty percent margin or withdraw twenty or thirty percent margin. You are banking money, real numbers. And so when you can have millions of people paying just a few bucks a month, um, that adds, adds up to real money. And so from a margin point of view, it's all about scale. And with these guys, this is an example of, obviously they've got a freemium model where they've, where they've got a free um, kind of entry level, but then you want to do some serious things with it, then you can um, you actually pay a, a few bucks here and there. Um, and that adds, adds up to some serious money. So don't don't be worried about me six. I think they're doing okay. <laughs> and I, I will say, Discord has really perfected that that model of you can start for free, and then when you want to be when it wants to be cool, then it's going to cost money. Go ahead, Jesse. Uh, there's the the ominous old adage: if you aren't paying for a product or service, you are the product or service. And uh, you know, it, it's it's a sticky phrase, but it might be a little bit overblown. Just remember that a lot of these things that are these free services are part of a larger ecosystem, and that ecosystem includes um, raising capital at the beginning and integrating that into other profitable models. So. The, there's, it's just a, a much more complicated ecosystem than one product, one service, one customer. Yeah, go ahead, uh, uh, Jason. Yeah, I, I will simply reiterate the adage, if you, if you are not paying for a service, you are the product, period. Next question. 
From Steve Uroff in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, Steve asks, anybody have a trick to get the Shocks OpenCom multifunction button to operate as a push-to-talk button for Zoom on Mac OS? Right, go ahead, Jason. That's going to be extremely hard. I looked at the FAQ very briefly about what the multifunction button does. There are so many different this, – this uniform thing or the thing that the public thinks is uniform in Bluetooth is not. It is, it is the most held together by silly string kind of series of, of um, conformities and compliances that it, it's not going to be easy. I would say your best, very best bet would be a shortcut if you can find a way to log exactly how it is being detected when the Mac connects to it. But you've got an uphill climb. Yeah, I, I don't know of any way to do that. <laughs> Next question. Douglas Carmichael asking, would the M1 Ultra Max Studio provide as much benefit for audio workflows as it does for video and photo workflows? I go ahead, Mitchell. Power equals samples and tracks. I go ahead, Jason. I think that the M1 Mini has at least as far as I'm concerned, been able to do everything audio-related that I've been able to throw at it. I'm not saying I'm the authority on this, but it, it truly can do all of it. When you get up to the the Ultra Mac Studio, um, good good luck. I mean, you know, Alex can make these hurt, but but it really, it takes some doing. And by some doing, I mean, you know, maybe one in 100,000 of these units have ever actually been hurt. Yeah, I think that you can always... You can always use more power. <laughs> so, you, you know, audio seems small until you start adding 64 tracks of it. You start adding filters onto those tracks and then you start building submixes. And there's a lot of things that you can do that that definitely will chew up that power. But there's, you know, very few computers and in very few instances. I mean, Excel goes about as fast as it's ever going to go. Uh, and, you know, you know, but pages may, you know, you never know. So, uh, so anyway, but, but I think that, you, you know, you, they'll all benefit from it. What's the ROI? It depends on how hard you're going to push it. So what kind of music are you doing or what kind of sound work are you doing? What kind of effects are you doing um, really is going to be, and, and then also what software you're using and is it written to the M1? So where you really get, or M2, the M, a lot of developers right now are not fully utilizing what the M processors can do. And so you want to keep on paying attention to the reviews and what they're talking about and are they really writing straight to the metal? so to speak, um, to make sure that they're really getting, are they following Apple's guidelines? Because when they don't follow Apple's guidelines, they can do it themselves and they may have a good reason for that, but it's going to slow the system down. Um, when they write directly to Apple's guidelines, they're going to benefit at every upgrade um, into, into the future. And so hopefully we're going to see more developers do that. Next question. John Foltz in Sealings Grove, Pennsylvania, asking, Guy, what's been your experience with the new Bird Dog Play? Good, Guy. Yeah, I got one uh, early for testing, and uh, it's compared to Sienna, it's uh, running on an Apple TV. For those of you that haven't seen these, it's basically an NDI little box that's the size of an Apple TV, weighs 97 grams, and it's NDI in on your network via Ethernet and out via HDMI. So to add, let's say, NDI to your ATEM, it's a really slick device for 149 bucks. A lot of people don't think of it that way, but if you need to toss a computer into an input on an ATEM that's across... Uh, you know, the room or something like that. It's a real simple way. Um, if you want the full, full 4K, full NDI, that's not the device for you. You want something that is the, the $400 range. So there's some drawbacks to it. It does not do full NDI 4K. It'll do NDI HX at 4K uh, 60. So be aware of that if you're trying to use it for that. A lot of people are just using them for monitors. Uh, we had a curling client, about 60 of them. So a lot of people are 
putting cameras in multiple places, being able to select them on the network. So you can, you can change your inputs on the network as to what, what video you want going to which device. So they're really cool. Um, 149 bucks worth, worth trying. Go ahead, Grant. I just had a quick question of a guy. And is, are you now getting other people to pitch your softballs for you? Is that what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> this is a regular question. Uh, yeah, next question. Next question in from Paul Terry Wallace in Austin, Texas. What is the most silent of silent keyboards? Go ahead, Mitchell. Well, uh, from a continuum of uh, from worst or best to worst, um, I would start with a touchscreen. That's pretty quiet. Uh, the Apple uh, keyboard is pretty quiet. And my favorite of all keyboards are the old IBM, and they are the noisiest. Yeah, it depends on what you want there. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Scott, Sky. Yes, also seconding on the Apple keyboard as the most silent. And yes, I've had those, those DAC and, or those IBM clickety clickities. If, and it, it does feel good because it, you're actually typing, but yes, the, the nice quiet one is, is, is much better for the app. I, yeah. I haven't found the, like the quietest keyboard. I feel like there, there's still a level of quietness that I would love to see that I haven't seen yet. So yeah, we'll keep our eyes open for that. Uh, next question. Douglas Carmichael asking, in this behind-the-scenes video of the virtual Vince Lombardi commercial Digital Domain worked on, they show a node-based compositing system. Can anyone identify that software? Uh, given that it's Digital Domain, I'm going to guess that it's Nuke because they developed it. <laughs> so, so they developed uh, Nuke. Is, uh, they, Nuke is no longer, uh, I, I think it's still, there's input given from Digital Domain, but I'm, I haven't seen the commercial. I, have, I didn't have time to jump into this because it's a little later in the in the show but uh, but i'm going to guess that what you're looking at is nuke uh, next question david brady from new york new york uh, taking the insta 360 link on the road worries me what kind of case is the panel using good guy had to grab it real quick the original box so yeah there's uh, it fits in there just good. like that and it's a nice sturdy box so that's why i'm rolling with it good jason you can get all sorts of, you know, teeny tiny little cases. This is what I use for for my ear monitors, and it's it's impossible to break and hurt. Um, I would go with a uh, Pelican. Uh, what are they? The micro cases, you know, the ones that are that are absolutely tiny that uh, that will seal up. And they they are great. All right, go ahead, Mitchell. Unfortunately, Courtney's not here, but he has a three D printed uh, case for it that's custom made for it, and it's cute. It's tiny and small. So I am. I'm going to apologize to people listening to this because it'll probably be gone the moment I put it in the group. So I don't think there's there that many left. Um, there is now a case sold on Amazon um, that is for the link. And it looks like it's a little smaller than the case. I ordered one. I don't get it until next week. So it's, uh, but I am, uh, I'll put it in the chat here. There's three left. They'll all be gone in about a minute. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, everyone's typing. So uh, yeah, exactly. So um, they're, they're in the event chat there. So um, anyway, that's the, I ordered it. I don't know. It looks good on paper. It doesn't look incredible, like the best one ever, but it's 18 bucks and you can, and it's smaller. It, it appears to be smaller than the actual case that you bought it in. Um, and, uh, and we'll see what that, what that actually looks like. Um, so, so anyway, so we'll, we'll, um, we'll see there. I'm planning to build one. In fact, one of the things I'm looking at is getting one that will, I can put three or four in. So I have one, one little thing that I can just stack them all into if I want. I'm trying to kind of build this ultimate little, this tiny little multicam kit. 
um, that I can that I can just have a fifteen ten or a backpack that I can just show up and just open it up, and it's got a the computer that I need and everything else. And so in that in that process, now that we can do four inputs, that's one of the things I'm testing this week. We can do four inputs into a Zoom room. The idea is like I have a Zoom room and I have these little links, and I can grab onto you know set them all up and and do something pretty interesting or send it to somebody. That's the goal. Um, uh, anyway, next question. Next question from Paul Terry Wallace. What's the best Kindle or reading device? I go with Javier. The Kindle that I like the most to replicate like the paper experience is the Kindle Paperwhite. Not only the screen is like super crisp, you can read it in daylight and it works perfect. You can read it uh, at night and it works perfect. Uh, but also since I've got my iPhone 12 Pro Max uh, between the size of the screen and I think it's easier on the eyes, I use it a lot because it's a device that I have always with me. So I have high fly, like five minutes to read in a standing in line, I can read something. So to get through things, I use the iPhone, but to enjoy the experience, I use a Paperwhite. Go ahead, TJ. Uh, we just got my daughter a Kindle, the Kindle Sketch or the, the newer one with the stylus for handwriting recognition or not recognition, but to be able to, to take notes. Um, and it, it has the same screen as the Kindle Paperwhite, but larger. And the stylus, the delay for the handwriting, zero delay. Really impressive. Question for you. Uh, well, how much is that, by the way? Uh, it was a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, and then like the 250 or something. And then another question is, so and does it do Bluetooth for your, if you, cause it does, they, they'll read the books, right? The Kindles will read the books. Yeah. So this, this, cause she has tons and tons of books in mm -hmm. the Kindle and, uh, you know, world. So she wanted to keep to the Kindle thing, but she also takes notes for her work. Mm -hmm. So this was sort of the best of both worlds for her. But she can listen to those books as well, right? It just, uh, I don't know if she does the listening part or not that I do not know. Because my understanding is, is that the Kindle books will just play back anything. It's got a, you know, text to, text to speech or whatever, and it'll play back any of those. It's a little trickier when you're trying to do it on your iPhone. What you have to do is install the, the, um, uh, the Alexa app. And then what you'll do is you'll ask Alexa to play the, the song or play the, the, play the, the uh, book. And it'll actually still do it. But it's like this weird roundabout way to get there. Go with Javier. You can also, for some books, you can uh, buy the Audible version and the Audible version and the Kindle version gets get synced up. So you can start oh, really? reading. Yeah, you can read, like you mm -hmm. get to page 35 and you switch to the audiobook and it starts where you left the the, the, the page. So it's a uh, very nice experience. But you have to buy both of them. So you have to yeah, really but it, they give you a discounted uh, price if you buy the Kindle one for the Audible one. So, you, um, you I mean, you pay like 1.5 times, not two times. Right, right. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, uh, um, I have a a lot of both, <laughs> you know, b books and and, but I don't usually cross them over. I make decisions like, is it going to be visual? I get a Kindle. If it's all going to be text, I get Audible, and I just kind of go back and forth. I will say that I listening to the Audible or the Kindle versions, I learned that I could listen to a book faster with a computer reading it than a human, and so I've I've been trying to figure out how to do that do that more often. Go ahead, TJ. Uh, the name of that is called the Kindle Scribe for anybody looking. I just want to make sure I got the correct name out there. Oh, perfect. That's great. Uh, next question. Next question from Douglas Carmichael. Would there be any home automation power management systems like Savant that support an open API for gathering data and sending commands, or would I be restricted to their proprietary app? Uh, I Yeah, go ahead, John. I missed the button. Um, I know. I know our Crestron system used C sharp, 
And so it was completely open. You had a, you had complete accessibility to all the hardware via C sharp. And so I'm sorry, Nigel's not here today. He's on his way to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. And, and for our, our producers, uh, we have about, we have a little bit more time. We've been cutting through these questions really fast. We've got time for about five, five or six more general questions. Uh, if you're actually, uh, if, if you have a couple before we get to the top of the hour or we'll start early. Um, but if you have a, a couple of the general questions you want to, you want to ask, uh, go ahead and throw those in. Uh, let's go to the next question. From Kenneth Jones in Seattle, Washington, Kenneth asked, My OBS feed into Facebook every Sunday still shows microstalls. Is that me or Facebook or just the way things are? Um, yeah, go ahead, uh, John. Mac or PC? That's the question. My, my OBS mm -hmm. is not running at all on my Mac. I can run it for days and days and days on my PC without any problem. And you're talking about the newest version won't run on yep. your Mac? Yeah. It, it runs. It kills my processor in about 15 minutes interesting Goes yeah 100 yeah i will say that that it is in general obs on the um uh obs on the mac is not a great experience <laughs> you know it's 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 because it's just not that many people using it in this in, in relation to the number of people on the pc go ahead a guy yeah, if you're going to uh, to Facebook on a PC, uh, I would definitely consider vMix even the most basic one because you can do 1080 instead of 720, which looks a lot better. So uh, consider going with something that works at solid. If it's a Mac, you might want to roll back one version if you upgraded to the latest version, which is more stable. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, the the other thing to look at is just what what. Look at always look at what your processor is doing. So if you're over sixty percent, you shouldn't be streaming. Like you know, you, you I mean, in my opinion, like you shouldn't run a streaming computer, like especially something like OBS or Wirecast or whatever. We found that at about sixty percent because you get peaks, and where you're where you're seeing those microstalls is just, for some reason something's happening. It's peaking up to eighty, ninety percent, and going back down again. And so you want to make sure that if you're eighty percent when it peaks, it's hitting a hundred, it's tapping a hundred, and then having anomalies and so keeping it at 60 percent um in general is is a, hot, a strong recommendation go ahead grant yeah i guess it's the um the typical troubleshooting things that we think about because all the things that you suggested could also be the problem there could be a bandwidth issue there could be something going on um that's that's funny there and um there could be something else on the on the computer um do you know just another tip um is that uh zoom live streaming um if you happen to have a, a 1080 account, will stream to Facebook in 1080 as well. Um, and so um, I, I do that every week and uh, and that works really well. And that's one less streaming device that I need because I'm, you know, doing the show in, in Zoom anyway. And so that's just a, another little thing. But it's it, it's testing all those different things. Of course, having a hardware device would be great too, right? So a so a um, an ATEM, um, you know, at least an ATEM, or there's lots of other hardware streaming devices that uh, could do the task for you too. Um, so it's a matter of testing all those things and seeing what what uh, works best. Good, Sky. No, I um, apologize. Next. Clicking the next one. Apologies. Next question. Tom Ferguson, excuse me, in Phoenix, Arizona, and here on our panel. Did the panel have any surprises from Santa this year? Good, Tom. Well, Mrs. Santa definitely surprised me. Uh, I've got this down here, and she made me this cover for my Telestrator. Oh, look at that. Ah, that's very nice. Um, uh, go ahead, Mitchell. Yeah, he ate all, all of my chocolate chip cookies while binge-watching The Mandalorian. 
<laughs> Go ahead, Sky. This is the this is the question I meant to ask or uh, respond to. And ironically, we got some new uh, pans, very nice ones from Sir Latab. And I was advised to use Barman's friend to do the cleansing oh. with. So that's uh, because it, apparently the protein sticks to protein and this has protein in it of some kind. And it says very lightly use it and make your pans last forever. It's interesting. Barman's friend. Yeah. These are these are um, these are cast iron. Or just no, like, I I got I got a fancy uh, from from Denmark. I got the fancy mm-hmm. ones. Yeah, okay, good. all right, I all right, good. TJ, uh, Alex, I know you will uh, be a fan of this one. Um, the entire Good Eats cookbook series has <sighs> made it a uh, uh, has arrived at our house this year. So awesome! <laughs> That's great. Uh, go ahead, Grant. Uh, yeah, I got a foot spa, um, which was a total surprise. Um, that that's not Jewish, by the way. I was gonna. It's I was gonna spa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I was. Uh, and I was able on Christmas Day. I was able to watch a, a particular Christmas service, uh, live stream service from America, and uh, I had my feet in this foot spa. I I may never have uh, attended church in a better fashion than uh, having my feet in a foot spa. What's, what's a foot spa? Is it just like one of the things that rubs your feet? Or is yeah, it... yeah. You know, no, water. Water and uh, and it has has bubbles and jets. Um, what? That spray and it heats the water as well. I know that that's not really, really related to what we do and you probably shouldn't do it around uh, your equipment, <laughs> but wow, that sounds great. Talk about really static uh, sinks. What are you talking about yeah, like yeah. that? It'd be funny to have. I always we always think of absurd things you could do with production crews, and you could have a production crew, and everybody has a foot spa. Like everyone's just like they, they all sit down, they have their little foot spa, they have a masseuse that walks yeah. around, and rubs their shoulders, and it's kind of do. This is how we do long long term streams. Uh, go ahead, John. I have the greatest wife ever. She bought me an assortment of cable ties for my yeah. office here. Oh, that's great. It's <laughs> a great there we go. present. There we go, uh, TJ. Hey, Sky, are you talking about Barkeeper's Friend? That's uh, the one. A, yeah, it's a pumice. It's a very fine, super fine pumice um, that's really great at polishing metals. That's great. Yeah, I got the, the American Test Kitchen uh, recipe book <laughs> So that, go, that goes with the show. Uh, my wife gave me that, and then I got her a June, uh, um, one of the June... Uh, I don't know, air fryer slash thing that connects to your iPhone. I'm not sure really I got it for her or for me, but but we'll but I I I put her name on it, <laughs> so, so we're all going to have a good time with it. Uh, but she wanted an air fryer, and we went a little overboard. Uh, go ahead, Jesse. Look, I just got to brag. Um, my wife found me a signed. I uh, can't see it because of the flare. It's a signed Stan Freeberg. She found at Goodwill. <laughs> Very. There good. we Very go. Good. That's awesome. Uh, All right. Next question. Craig McFarlane in Boston, Massachusetts. Craig asks, do you have any end of year gear or software review purge rituals? I go, Jesse. Uh, We take advantage of December 20th to January 1st. It's usually silent from the clients. So we do a full wipe on all the computers and we purge the OS. Also, this is the year that we are finally decommissioning the Final Cut 7 computer that we've been maintaining. (laughs) <laughs> Go ahead, Jason. Um, yeah, I tend to, to find what panelists need and send it to them. Nick Jeshishin was a got, got a delay box that I think is still running in his in his box or in, in his in his um, you know whatever you want to call it in his blue screen world. Um, 
maybe two years later. So yeah, I, I send stuff to panelists. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Grant. Yeah, like I was saying before about uh, formatting computers, uh, particularly with Mac, um, you know, when the latest OS tends to come out around September, uh, you know, you get a few point one. Point two um, iterations that come out around this time of year and so now it's a good time I find it's a good time to do a complete format and fresh install of that OS and that's what I try to do in this downtime. Next question. Paul Terry Wallace, Austin, Texas. Paul asks globally, what apps are most relevant for people to connect? Good, Sky. Well, Jeopardy had a question last night of what made the most amount of profit and they, they said it was Zoom. So I'm I'm going to think that if if the question comes over on the the game Jeopardy, that's that's a good global question right there. But I'm also very intrigued that Discord is going to be the, the new lingua franca of of the humanity. I think that's going to be a thing this year. Yeah, I think Discord and Zoom are the two big winners, uh, you know, right now as far as connecting people. Uh, next question. Javier Alfaro from Mexico City, Mexico, and here in our panel, I want to upgrade my parents' Wi-Fi and have been able to manage it remotely. What mesh system would the panel recommend? Uh, go ahead, Mitchell. I'm going with the Netflix Orbi 6. Uh, works great. You put the master in a certain place in the house, and everything else is a satellite, and they all talk to each other and blink and flash and do wonderful things. But I would not trust it for uh, communicating over Zoom. Go, Jason. Yeah, of course, not for Zoom, but uh, for your own peace of mind, I would say that uh, dollar for dollar, Eero is the easiest way to go. Next question. Next question from Lois Richter in Davis, California. What is your favorite way to keep up with new software? Go ahead, Sky. Buy a new computer. It's the safest way. And it's not the, it, it because there's always going to be something that doesn't connect with the other software that upgraded that to that. And then that doesn't talk to that. So um, it's just kind of starting with a clean slate. It, it sounds silly, but I, I, I really hate the software that automatically, automatically upgrades itself because it always breaks something somewhere else, but you have to do it. So um, try a clean slate. And the prices are not what they used to be. So I usually need the project. Like I need a project to, to use it with or something I want to experiment with. It's really hard for me. I can't really just open up an app and just kind of hit the buttons and follow the tutorials. I usually just need to know what I need to know right then. So a lot of times I have an app, I'll open it up. Um, I, uh, I will then go to Google. I'll usually open up YouTube <laughs> and start searching. I want to do this with this app. I want to do this with this app. And then if not, then I start talking to the you know, I try to find someone at the company or people that I know that know it and start asking them questions. But that's usually, but I need something that needs to be done usually in a certain time period to really learn something. Go ahead, Mitchell. Yeah, I agree with you, Alex. I've been using After Effects for 20 years and I still uh, go to YouTube. If I run into something where I wish I could use a fractal to generate this, um, I'm like, hmm. And I go over to YouTube and sure enough, there'll be like eight tutorials to make that happen. Go TJ. I took this question a little differently. I took it to mean, um, how do we learn about new software and whatnot? And here in office hours, I'm finding about all sorts of amazing new pieces of software I never knew existed before. Absolutely. Next question. Next question from Douglas Carmichael. Many concerts and live events have been using virtual backgrounds and compositing the live performers into a 3D environment in real time. How would that be done without a Nick Justison-style studio setup that has a fixed green background? 
Well, I mean, it depends on how wide you want to be. <laughs> you know, so, so I think that the, uh, you know, if, if you're, you know, you need LED walls, if you really want a full stage, you might, tr I mean, if you're, if you, especially if you're in front of other people, if you're not, you can theoretically do it with a green psych um, that's a lot bigger than Nick's uh, version of that. If you just want to be sitting there, uh, you could probably get away with something that's a smaller green screen. Um, you know, it's not trivial to do it well, is what I would say, is that it's not like in most concerts that I've seen haven't done it very well. <laughs> so, so I think that it's, you know, that most of them have been pretty rough to watch. So um, a lot of times they're run more by technologists that are interested in the what's possible and not really understand what they're doing technically. And so I think that's usually the, the challenge there. All right, I'm gonna kick that last one back. Um, and by the way, I kicked a couple of questions back. Um, one was for time. Another thing is, is just if you're asking if somewhere it says, why are we doing something in office hours or could we change something in office hours or how do we make that work? Those are Sunday questions. So just if you're listening, just know that those will tend to get pushed back to you and our recommendation is then come Sunday and ask them. But we're trying to kind of tighten up our our process here to really stay in, in as best we can focused on the tech. But um, things that are more self-referential um, related to how we do things we're kind of pushing off to the Sunday discussion. We highly recommend that you bring those questions to us on Sunday because um, we're happy to, to talk through them then. Um, all right. We are now changing subjects uh, to talk about Midjourney. Uh, Midjourney is has been out, I think, since September, I believe. Um, and it is, uh, it, it's a pretty interesting product. Um, it is... Um, uh, the I, I found it interesting doing some research for the show that it was it's create it was one of the founders is the founder of Leap Motion. Leap Motion was a little thing that did hand uh, it would track your hands to get motions. I didn't realize that's the same same person. So it was so far ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. And so um, so anyway, so Mid Journey is one of a group. Um, so there are a variety. Google has its own, and I'm going to now space on. I know it has. I want to call it Dream. Is it it's Dream um, Machine Time? something I, I can't remember now um uh, but because we haven't used it that heavily obviously dolly is the one that really splashed in and got everybody going so dolly and dolly 2 are the two that are that are there um and then uh of course there's stable diffusion which is something that you can actually download onto your computer and uh, and train it itself um so there's a lot of different um you know different styles of these um ai models that are building these and, and it's not just ai at, we're we're going to talk about the artwork today. Um, it's not just the AI artwork. It is the, um, but it's also the, you know, chat GPT is another thing that we've talked about. We'll talk about mid-journey today and, and talk about art today because uh, there's a lot of things to kind of begin to unwrap. What I will say is uh, we will be talking about uh, AI in some way, shape, or form every month in office hours because it's really important to our industry. Um, whether you like it or not, or whether you're afraid of it or not, or whatever, it's really important to understand it because it's coming and it's coming really fast, you know, like into our industry. Uh, and it's it's evolving very, very quickly. Um, and so we need to understand what it does and what it doesn't do. You know, one of the things that, you know, so to give you a brief, on, and, and what I will say also is that I am not an AI expert. I'm not an AI researcher. I Will give you my understanding of how this all works, and then people here will probably correct me on some of it. Um, and then when we talk about it in a month, people will, will talk about it or, or answer questions throughout the month. Uh, we'll keep on correcting those things because you know this is. I think that sometimes even people working on it don't quite understand what's happening, but a lot of them are pretty smart about it. Now, as my understanding of how this works, and a lot of this is this diffusion model that people talk about, and what what basically is happening is, is the first thing that it does is deconstructing the images. So it basically diffuses those images out, adding noise to the calculation as it pulls, pulls them apart. So it pulls them apart, 
and then tries to put them back together again and sees how closely it can match the one that it started with. So pull it apart, put it back together. How to how you know? And then there is a you know uh, you know how well did it actually be able to figure out how to reconstruct it? Because as it learns to reconstruct it, it learns what the what parts are important and what parts are key to that to that thing, right? Now the other thing that it's doing is it's, it's having text pairs, so it's pairing up. It has most of the the information that it's interested in has metadata. It says this picture is a picture of a bird or a picture of a whatever. And and so it it under, it starts to understand what it's looking at contextually, um, not really understand it, but connect it. I should not say understanding because it does not understand anything. This is a, this is a organism without a brain. Like you, you, we think that it's our, our, our AI overlords, but there is no brain here. This is like, it is a, it is, it's doing this thing where it figures out it, it's attaching text meanings. Um, and, uh, and Ike Potter points out that it's machine learning, not AI. So that's a good that's a good thing. But the the machine learning, um, but even then, I, I would say learning is a big word um, as is, as is intelligence um, for what it's doing. Basically, it's connecting words to images, and it's trying to be able to figure out how to reconstruct images from their from their um, molecular parts and then pull them back together. Now, what that allows for is if you put a bunch of words together, it can grab parts of all those images. And pull them back together into something that is, you know, that, that comes back as a picture with all of the words. So it, it knows if I'm typing something in, I'm saying I want to have, uh, you know, I want to have all of these uh, words together. So now it's going to start trying to fit. It's going to go out and pull in from that diffuse model. It's going to pull all that stuff together all at one time and end up with an image. And it'll be like, how did I do? <laughs> and sometimes it's a complete mess, you know, and sometimes it's really funny. Um, and um and I'll show you a couple images and then we're going to jump into, I think we've got a bunch of, this is going to be, I think, a popular one today. We've got a lot of questions and a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of folks here. So, so um, the, um, I'll show you a couple images just to kind of get started. Um, this is, let's see here, where should we start? Um, you know, basically you can put in, you know, you can connect a lot of odd things. And so we sat, you know, we've been sitting around doing, I have a mid journey, you know, whatever the pro membership or whatever. So I, um, pump a lot of things in that I'm that I'm kind of thinking about there. So uh, this is uh, to give you an idea of what the search terms are, just to give you a sense of this. This is Princess. We were doing this at an ILM Christmas party, or not ILM, but a lot of ILMers were at this Christmas party. So there was some some Star Wars references, but I put in uh, Princess Leia as a robot in the style of Rembrandt. So it gives us kind of a Middle Ages um, steampunkish uh, Princess Leia, but that's how it it, it kind of connects those things. I. I asked it for Darth Vader in the style of H.R. Giger, and you get something like that. I asked for a steampunk Millennium Falcon, and I got something like that. Um, I misspelled Millennium Falcon, and I got a falcon. <laughs> I said steampunk Millennium Falcon, and I got a, I got an actual falcon. And that's what you said. It just, it just put together what you asked for, not what you wanted. Um, and so, but but also I put. You know, you can put in a lot of things that you're trying to imagine. So one of the things that I put in was uh, the turbo encabulator, which is very a very important part of our our technology history. And so it built a, a turbo encabulator for us. Um, and then, um, you know, Chewbacca in the style of Hello Kitty. Um, you get little cute, cute little Chewbacca's um, that, that are there. Um, I, I find that it renders um, minions exceptionally well. So... Uh, so here are, um, I did, uh, this is fine. There's this thing where the, you know, a dog 
in a in a building that's burning. I said this is fine, but with minions. So it's this is fine with minions. I also asked it to do minions in the Roman ages, and I got you know lots of minions uh, ready to fight. Uh, and and <laughs> so, uh, th- we were doing this in in after hours, which we will do again soon. Uh, minions crossing the Delaware was a request. So, and I, I realized that a history teacher could just use these as a way to to engage their um their you know the kids would probably enjoy these types of things. Um, I had I did do uh, minions playing poker because you had dogs playing poker. But I figured, what would minions playing poker? And I never really thought of what old minions look like. And so, if you look at some of those, you get to see at least what the AI thinks of as old old there. But you can also put in very just connect a lot of random things. And so I have. I put in octopus in the style of Giger with Rembrandt lighting, and I ended up with that. <laughs> so, so you end up with a lot of really, you know, it just keeps it, and it, it doesn't have a lot of uh, rules there. Now, re- more recently, as we got ready for Christmas, um, I, uh, um, you know, started doing Santa Clauses so that I could send them out as little cards. And so here's Santa Claus. Uh, this is this is the uh, steampunk Santa Claus. I think I tweeted out there. Um, this is, let me see if I can get my keyboard in the right place. Uh, this is Santa Claus on a dragon. I was kind of doing a Game of Thrones Santa Claus. Um, this is Santa Claus building a, uh, you know, kind of doing some more, you know, building up their, their next toy in the shop. Now, what's interesting about it is, and this is why you see it doesn't really know what it's doing, is, you know, that this looks, when at first glance, and this is the way AI works right now a lot, or a lot of these tools, um, at first glance, it looks amazing. You look at it and the lighting is amazing and, and his face is amazing. But you'll notice that he has way more fingers than he, that it, right now, you know, for a while it was having trouble with faces. <laughs> and what it really has trouble with now is, is eyeglasses, which it, it did a pretty good job here. It doubled it up a little bit. But the, the there's all kinds of versions of hands that are what most people will look at pretty quickly. Um, and I just kind of go, well, that's part of the game at the moment. It, you know, it'll only be that way for another month or two. This is um, my uh, my brother is a, a DP, so I sent him this as his Christmas card. Um, and, you know, so uh, uh, of someone shooting with the craziest, it just put together the craziest camera I could possibly imagine. I, you know, it just kind of gobbles. A, my sister is a is a photographer, so I had Santa in the North Pole taking uh, taking photos uh, with the elves. Um, uh, Santa Santa Claus doing you know an interview, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. And you, what what's amazing is just how well it figures out all this lighting. Uh, Santa Claus rocking out. Um, I thought that that was, um, you know, a lot of fun. Um, and Santa Claus, again, doing some more construction. The hand was pretty good here. Got a little chunk taken out of it. But otherwise, it, you know, again, I think that what you're seeing there is a beautiful image. Like the lighting and how it figures it all out uh, is kind of amazing. Um, Santa Claus in a jet coming in, you know, coming in hot uh, with uh, presents. So I thought that that was a lot of fun. I had some friends that fly jets. And so I, th- I thought that would be fun to send them. So, um, so th- th- what I thought was interesting was, is the ability to customize all my, all my Christmas cards, <laughs> you know, like being able to write something and, and do something that is specific to each person. And I was like, I'm never buying a greeting card again. And that we'll get back into that in a second. But, you know, I don't think that the real risk for artists is that people are going to use this and sell things. I, I think the real risk is that they're going to use them and just use them, <laughs> you know, for what they're doing, um, rather than rather than trying to worry about whether they can copyright it or not. Um, now, another thing that we just discovered, and I was trying to figure this out, is you can add your. That, that's just me. That's a photograph. It's not not didn't. But I added this so you can add a link into Discord and say, I want. Um, I can add a link. So I start off with that link and then tell it. <clears throat> the other parts of what I want to do to that link. So 
this this photo is a uh, that I this is on twit on twit.tv. It's my profile photo. So it, it was just a random photo of me that's on the internet. It's fairly evenly lit. I have a fairly neutral pose. So those are things that I think make a difference in, in, in how accurately you can grab onto it. And then I just started to go to town to give you a sense of what it did. I could be a, you know, it, it gave me a, um, a Jedi, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, it also, I could go more manga. <laughs> so, so that, you know, as a Jedi, which I thought was a lot of fun as well. Um, you, you can do, uh, you know, here's your, um, your typical Iron Man uh, style. Uh, you know, the next action film that I want to be in is, is, is there. Now, remember, this is just from that one photo. So there's no, you know, the, with a lot of the other ones, it's asking you to put 40 or 50 photos in. This is just a photo and it just starts figuring it out. Uh, me as the Hulk, you know, want to make me mad, you know, the, that's there. Uh, then I put in Simpsons <laughs> and I got something slightly different. So the, there's uh, me and me as the Simpsons. Uh, I think I had another one that was more, more, uh, I think I said me as Homer. Um, and so it kind of mixed, mixed and matched the, the, the flavors there. So it's a lot of fun. Um, me just drinking in a bar in the, in the 16th century is kind of, it's kind of a fun, um, fun little one there. So, um, anyway, so that's the, you know, those are the kinds of things that you can, uh, that you can do <laughs> with it, uh, right now to give you a sense of, of, um, and again, our goal here is to kind of show you a bunch of stuff give you some ideas. Um, I'll pull up disc while we're talking, I'll pull up discord so that I can show you like what it actually, um, looks like when you do it. Um, but, uh, but it's, um, it's a really interesting thing. And again, I strongly recommend joining the mid, the mid journey community on discord. If you're already in discord, you need to see what's happening. You need to see it's happening. It's the largest discord community in the world. It's six and a half million people. And they're all figuring this out together. And, you know, there's, uh, I think artists can sit on one side and say, well, this, we shouldn't be doing this. But, you know, this is, I guess the last thing I'll say before we jump into the, into the, the panelist is, you know, I've, we've watched these disruptions quite a few times. <laughs> like this is, you know, this is not the first one we saw, you know, and we're always told it'll be the end of everything. But, you know, when photographers started taking pictures, there's a lot of artists who their big business was doing portraits, you know, and they'd figured out a skill and they had, and, and then what had to happen then is it had to, the impressionists and everything else started to happen because you couldn't make money just doing portraits anymore because they had a machine that did that. Um, you know, we saw that, you know, when we went to film, everyone thought that stage would end, but it didn't. Um, it's, it's not the same as far as the level of what people expect, but it, but it didn't go away. Um, I also, I, you know, I was in, you know, during the seventies and eighties, you know, we had this thing called synthesizers that suddenly allowed someone without as much, you know, technical skill to put together something very complex, um, in the, in, in the same thing with, we heard the same thing when we saw rap, where people are taking samples and, and, uh, sequencers and putting these things together and, and building something that's very, very creative based on other things, you know, it was, a you know, and, and, and it became the thing, right? And so, uh, and then, and then in, in the nineties, we saw Photoshop, you know, I was, you know, one of those folks that was getting paid minimum wage, learning Photoshop, putting Cytex operators out of, out of business, you know, and, you know, digital, digital topography by itself just changed the whole world. So this disruption is something that happens all the time with technology and, um, and, and kind of, especially in the art world, it changes the way, things work. Even the image obscura changed the way things happened in the Middle Ages. You know, like when people started realizing that, you know, a lot of, we saw not very real, not very real, very real. What happened there? <laughs> that was because they figured out how to, how to project somebody onto a wall where they could get all their, get all their uh, proportions correct. And, and so, um, so anyway, the, uh, 
all of these technologies have moved us forward, you know, in what we're doing. Um, I do think that there's a mistake that people keep on thinking that these these things are cutting and pasting someone else's images into it. It's not it's not what's happening. You know, it's learning from those images and then it's rebuilding new images from it. It's not a fast Photoshop, which I think a lot of artists seem to think is cu cutting and pasting from those things. Um, and so I think that that's those are other things that are important to uh, to notice. Anyway, go ahead, John. Office hours now with AI. If we say that, the market value goes up by $100 million. Else. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So the interesting thing about this is 30 years ago when we were all uh, contemplating AI and robots, we always thought it would be the mundane things to go first. But the creativity in AI as the first milestone is quite, quite interesting. Uh, but I, I agree with what Alex says. It's it, there's still We still have a long way to go. Uh, but it's, you know, Nigel and I got Nigel started yesterday on mid journey for him as a branding guy. This is super valuable for him to oh, yeah. think up ideas and brands and, and logos and stuff. Super, super useful for that kind of work. And I think for teachers, I think a teacher, if I was a teacher, I would have the subject matter of whatever I'm talking about in minions or the Simpsons or whatever, I'd be doing it all the time like you know because kids would come in and be like oh this is really, they'd be laughing they'd want to see what the next thing i did you know there and i'd be use i'd be using them as nigel said in my keynotes all the time i go ahead grant uh yeah so i just had a couple of examples as well and so he, this is the image of myself that i that i used and so i said make me a cartoon and these are the interesting ones that i got um and then, uh, and then as a hero, and so it came up with that. Um, that's the hands again, as uh, as Alex was saying, the hands are a little messed up. He just but, doesn't know what to do. Know, thinks, no, that's right. So, uh, and then I said, put me on top of the Burj Khalifa, um, Burj Khalifa, and so there I am, standing on the top. Um, and then that's my <laughs> Simpsons character, <laughs> which is kind of cool. This is me as uh, Obi Grant Kenobi. Um, oh, that's great. So. That one was pretty cool. And then um, the Hulk as well. And then I said, um, what about me in a production control room? Um, and so that's me, except I don't know where I'm sitting or where my you're truly, legs are. You're in the production control room. <laughs> like you're, not, you're not just I'm, in. You're not, you're not just sitting around. <laughs> I'm inside of it. And then uh, as you can see, that, that uh, shirt that I was wearing, I've got a collar. And so even as Superman, I still have a collar, apparently. <laughs> that's a... That's an important thing. Um, so then I started messing around. I was trying to work out if you could do multiple images. And so the best I got up with, so I set a Zoom call. And so I took a Zoom call and it created, so on the left there, those six um, are, uh, you know, a, a Zoom gallery view and it made that. And that's pretty impressive. Like when you see it in a gallery view like that, it looks, you know, you have to really look closely then and go, oh, they're not real. Uh, and then I said, make them a cartoon. And so I took that same image and and said, um, make a cartoon. And that's what it did. Well, so and, that was and, and what was it? How did you, you did, it tell, did you tell it you wanted a grid that was three three by three? Or no, did you no, I didn't. Just make a Zoom and, call with cartoons? Yeah, I said I said a gallery view the first time um, on the left. Um, I didn't actually even say gallery. I just said a Zoom call. Um and so that's what it, that's what it did. And then I fed that image back in again and said, make a cartoon. And what was interesting is that it made the nine out of the six. And so um, that was interesting to me. But that's so Grant Gibson on to... top left there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so then I, what I was trying to do is I then took an image of, uh, I took Alex's image and my image 
and said, make us um, uh, as, uh, as Yoda and Luke being trained, right? But all I got was Alex as Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I kept I kept pushing it, and what I did is I I made I just photoshopped Alex's image next to mine, so it was one image, and then said uh, put us on a movie set, and so then I got that. So it was interesting that I was I was able to get two characters, um, right. and that was yeah. It, and by, did you put them on doing, either side that way, or did it did it yes. just yeah yeah they were either side like that. Um, side by side and um and that's how i got that so that's a murder murder mystery that will be coming out next summer with alex and i yeah. uh, you can work out what's happening there um <laughs> but it also did this where you can see on the right that's actually a composite of of alex and i so if you ever wondered right. what we would look together <laughs> if if somehow we were able to respawn um and uh, and so then I was I was just playing around more with um, yeah what what you could do with Iron Man and then the last one um, here actually there there is um, a term to use which was realistic hands um, and so I put that <laughs> in closer and it's closer but it's um, it's still not and and for those people that you know used to see me on Zoom that is what my body looks like so. <laughs> Yeah, just, it, didn't, it wasn't. It was just, really easy to just do that. So you know, yeah, said realistic, I, realistic proportions, yeah, just, realistic just hands of the way I normally am. Yeah, exactly. And just me. It looks yeah. like the umbrella uh, <laughs> gang or whatever they show is. Uh, uh, go ahead, uh, Jesse. Now, first of all, jumping into this is absolutely exhilarating. It's so much fun to play with these tools, and I encourage people who are just jumping into. Uh, run your commands in tandem, like build a Dolly account and build a, a MidJourney account and put in the same input and just see how the two different algorithms handle the same thing. Um, what really impressed me about MidJourney was its understanding of uh, what I'll call lyrical intent. So my wife has a band called Thrilling End of Everything, and we chose that name because it's kind of like pulpy and overblown. And I typed that in without any other prompt, just the thrilling end of everything. And what it delivered really uh, captured that full intent that we we had going in with that band name. Um, I'm going to go through the four images that it delivered, but each one feels like what we intended it to feel like when when we created that name. And it's just so cool to see um, to see ideas manifested through this entirely new lens. I, I I can't I can't express enough joy about this yeah. whole process and this whole art. There you go, DJ. Um, so a couple mechanical type things. Um, when you get in first, go you're into a, what's called a newbie channel, and there's just there's hundreds and hundreds of messages going by like so fast. It, it's really kind of hard. It's, it's overwhelming, really, to begin with. Um, but if you decide to link this, if you join mid-journey and actually link your discord account to an actual mid-journey profile then as you render your images you can go to your mid-journey uh, at midjourney.com and you will see the images over there so you're not having to like scroll through and find your image back in um, discord somewhere also i noticed um, when the um, as it's rendering the preview it makes what's called a web p graphic and when it is finished 
then it generates a PNG graphic. So you kind of have to wait until you get the little uh, upscale or variation buttons at the bottom to grab that image. If you if you kind of grab the image before, you'll get a WebP graphic, which is not kind of what you want. So, and of course, um, like everybody, um, this is Millennium Falcon in the style of Dr. Seuss with steampunk. <laughs> exactly, and the and the the ability to mix and match styles is an amazing thing. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Sky. In 1984, I bought the 128 Macintosh because it could draw a straight line for me in Mac Paint. And this, this has that same seminal moment of, of amazement for me because it, it makes me look good. But what's I'm kind of giddy about here is I, I'm going over onto the daily theme and watching maybe millions of people iterating a subjective thought about a specific topic on a daily basis. And again, from a community basis, I'm, I'm giddy about people's imaginations being reignited rather than being a couch potato and being entertained by somebody else's imagination. But I'm, and I'm stealing up, stealing like an artist in the concept of the theme of is one thing, but then how they created it with all of the verbs and the nouns that they're putting in on top of that, that's the little recipe back behind. And the iterations of that are, again, all of this is subjective. And I have, I have a question here about what, what is it going to be called? And I've lost the thread of the, what is this new concept called? And I think we're going to be watching it, you know, termed by somebody and we'll all agree at some point. So I'm giddy about this. Yeah, go ahead, uh, John. So Grant, how do you do the two? I, I want to do like celebrity love children or for like a high school reunion, do love children between various different people in my class. How do you how do you load the two pictures? I I just did them as as two uh two URLs. So I just I did one URL and and actually an easy way to do that too is to just drag an image into Discord. And then on the image, you can right click and, and copy link, right? So you, that way it's actually uploaded to Discord and then you can reuse that um, URL. Oh, so you don't have to have it on a real HTTP. You can just have it on the Discord. You can, you can really use the link that was created in Discord and that's enough Correct. for... Uh, Correct. Yeah. That's way easier. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and the yeah, one yeah, thing... It's a, so yeah. I, I was just saying, yeah. So I just took my URL and Alex's and said, you know, um, you know what I wanted to do with the two of them, and and um, and it created the the coming together of both. And I think that that this is the thing that's interesting is that number one is you'll see a lot of this is us talking to each other about all of this stuff. You know, like like we're sitting there, you know, trading notes. And mid the Mid Journey community is a giant version of us trading notes. You know, and and there's and and I will say that the argument that it is just the AI uh, or the diffusion model doing this is starting to fade because the problem is, is, yeah, it's producing something. But when you look at the amount of work that's being put into the search terms, I think that you could make an argument that, you know, in the same way that you're using a synthesizer, a sequencer or, a, you know, whatever, I'm not pushing the actual nodes, but there is an enormous amount of study. I mean, there's uh, one of the things I think that went out on the email was a link to all the different styles in GitHub. So someone put together this incredible link and it should be in the email that went out. 
of all the styles that you can start to put in or brainstorming those. And people are paying attention to all these things and you're, and we're watching what other people are doing and what text generates what image and it's, and different people approaching it. And we keep on learning from each other. And when you start seeing us trading notes and learning from each other and getting better at it and asking questions, it stops being something that I just put something in and got something out. I think that a good, I think fundamentally a good lawyer is going to be able to, uh, a good lawyer is going to be able to argue that it it's it is skill, <laughs> like you know, like it, that it's it's not just random. You know, I think that I think that a lot of people, and you know, there's a lot of people that are on both sides of the of the issue. But I think that that um, I think that it's really important to figure out how to utilize this. And I and I admit that my whole career has been, I just look at the next thing. I don't look at whether it should stop or stop or start or whatever. I'm just like, okay, well, how do I take this thing and add it to the thing that I'm already doing? And I think for pre-visualization and just enjoyment, you know, like the, and, and I again, I'll keep on coming back to it. It's so much fun. It's like the TikTok. I mean, a lot of people make TikToks because they want to be funny. They they hope that more people will watch them, but people put stuff on YouTube because they want to as well. And this self-generative society and the distance between your imagination and a picture is now just continuing to, you know, get much much shorter. You know, and I think that that's going to be the thing we're going to see a lot more imagination because of of things because. People don't have to go through all the work to produce each image. And even an, even an artist couldn't keep up. I mean, I'm produ producing things that I know would take someone a week and I'm doing four of them every 15 seconds, you know? And so it's, and you know, and so that's the thing that it's just the whole thing is going to speed up. All right. Um, but you also, you know, you do get, um, <laughs> you do get, you do get things that you, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, it will produce things that are hard to get out of your head. You know, case in point, I, I asked it about Minions uh, shot, taking a picture in the 1860s and I got... <laughs> minion couple in the, from the 1860s, you know, with beard and yeah. Anyway, so I, the minions are really fun. It's kind of my 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 cross check. All right, uh, let's go to let's go to the uh, first question. Uh, Sky Gleason from Seattle, Washington, asking: A photographer uses a camera to make art. A musician may use a piano to make art. What is the person called that uses Mid Journey to make art? Uh, go ahead, Sky. Well, Alex, as you know, in marketing a phrase can you know become the name of something and sometimes it's not the accurate concept but i i did see a thread of this conversation being had inside the community already and there was a digital artist digital ai artist and mm -hmm. and so i'm wondering if if we could make that that title we we could be known for something just saying hey, uh you go ahead tom well, I think they ought to be called a nerd artist or a geekical engineer. <laughs> Go ahead, TJ. Journeyman. Yeah, exactly. German. I, I was, I was thinking of a, a diffusionist. <laughs> diffusionist. They're using the diffusion. Diffusionist. All right. Uh, next question. A confabulator. Uh, TJ Asher from Minneapolis, Minnesota, is here. What are some useful prompts and parameters? Yeah, so I'll I'll show you real quickly what it looks like when you're actually doing it. Um, let's see if I can. Then I'll go to. So here's what it looks like here. There's me as Superman. Uh, that was one I didn't show you. Um, and uh, but I mean, trying to be Santa Claus, but it didn't it didn't work. So the first, how this actually looks once you've subscribed. So this is after I've subscribed to Mid Journey. I can go imagine. Um, and I can't type. There we go. Um, imagine. Imagine, and it'll hit a prompt. And now is when you're going to start to figure out um, what you what you want to do. So you you could do um, imagine a uh, uh, steam 
punk. So you can you can put those styles anywhere you want, but you could show a steampunk race car uh, in the, let's say, style of. So in the style of, not style, style of is important because you can do it in the style of all kinds of things. It can be art um, types, so abstract, uh, brutalist, um, all any kind of things like that, or specific traditional artists. It's really not... It's not really. I can't say that in the style of Guy Cochran or or Grant. It doesn't. You know, you're such a small. It won't have enough samples. It's really like in the style of, and we'll just say Rembrandt because we'll end up some, with something totally goofy that way. Um, now, uh, not Rembrandt, but that would get me something completely different. You, you, it, it's very spelling is important. Um, so then, then you can say things like um, comma glam lighting, which is a, a common one. Um, glam lighting is going to give it that kind of real. A lot of the ones that I have there, there. Now, when you're doing Rembrandt and glam lighting, I have no idea what will actually come out the other end. The other one is, is that it'll give you square outputs um, all the time. And so what I do is I do AR, a dash dash AR three, two. No, it doesn't do 16 by nine right now. The new, a, the new version of, of this doesn't do that. So then once you do that, you'll hit return. And now it's going to start. Um, now I have it set to fast and private, so that means it'll go. It's it's prioritized on the server. Um, these are twenty thousand dollars servers <laughs> that you're borrowing time from, um, and um, you can also set it to, you know, if you have a basic membership, you can set it to relaxed. Um, relaxed will take longer to process, um, and you can't, you know, zoom. You can't scale up. Um, you know, you just get the four ups. And so, um, but what you can do is run a whole bunch of stuff in relaxed and then do, um, and then go back with fast and do full size versions of it. The reason I don't do that very often is because I find that it's more important for me to generate the full size ones immediately because I'm generating so many images that I won't get them. I won't end up. And then I've had times when the server got updated or got um, put you know, put back together and I couldn't go back and actually up, update the high res versions, which was a bummer. So, um, so here we go. So here we have that. And then to what was talked about before. So it's now generated these, um, which pr pretty cool. Um, and, uh, and then I can hit open original and what that's going to do is open it on a web page, and that's going to be the full, the full resolution that that's there. And it'll remind me later to put last pass in. Um, anyway, so there, there's the images there. Now, if I want to get one, like, let's say I really like uh, you know, so each one of these has been built. And again, this is made up out of the ether with, you know, that we, I don't think anyone's ever put that term in. Um, and what I'll do is I'll close this and I can go, okay, now I, I want to see, I want to see an up, an upscale of this, of this one. And a, I want you to do more versions of that one. And I might want more versions of this one too. So now it's going to start those, you know, those pieces there and we'll, uh, We'll come back to that. Um, I'll show you what what happens when it when it pops up there. Um, let's go ahead into the. Uh, hold on, I'll go ahead, Grant. Oh yeah, I was, I was just going to add um, before, and this uh, re relates to things to uh, get the most out of it. There is in the settings. So when you do slash settings, there's an option of a remix mode, um, which is what you what which is what you need to be able to um, get it to do those remixes and to, and for it to um, take an image in um, and then also for it to be able to um, uh, merge sort of two images together and things um, to create those love child, <laughs> the love children. Cool. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and so then this is the uh, let's see if uh, let's see if I um, so here you have it started to produce. These are the the new um, again. These are the new spawns. So this what this did is it said, oh, I'm close, and I'm just going to give you slightly different versions of the same thing. So it's it, the the correction is much smaller there. Um, and then here is the other one that did the same thing. So it's just if you look at it, you'll notice it's just making some adjustments to the calculation um, and. Uh, um, and the and and again, I, I will say that I could definitely, you know, like you, a lot of times you pop out these images and you're like, I could build a whole movie around that image, you know, like I, you know, I could do, you know, something. So from a brainstorming perspective, um, it's it's a pretty exciting um, thing. And oftentimes, the upscaling, it will spawn out the new versions much faster than the upscaling. Um, so it, that that oftentimes takes a little longer for it to. For it to get to let's go to the next question alex if you oh, yeah. if you to do slash info how how many images have does it say that you've so slash info will tell you how many images you've created since i since i signed up yeah yeah slash mm -hmm. info oh man hold on do I, I do slash info and then i just and then enter yeah oh hold on uh i have um lifetime usage Relax. Lifetime usage is uh, six thousand six hundred and fifty <laughs> images, and that no, that's yeah. And then the relax that that's a, uh, I think that's the fast that's total. That's just fast. Oh yeah, that would be fast. Yeah. Uh, relaxed usage is twenty seven twenty seven. So about almost ten thousand image or nine thousand images that I've created uh, since I since I signed up. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a yeah, um, <laughs> and and I have I just signed up again. I've already burned through. Uh, 25 of my 30 hours. The pro version, by the way, is if, you know, again, I've just decided this is my favorite subscription. So I'm not, I'm not, I got the pro version and I went through for the one year and just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, suddenly the idea of playing games seems to be like a huge waste of time when I could be on, in, in, on mid journey. So, so it, it just, I haven't, uh, haven't played a single game of any kind since I, since I signed up. And I think that that's because it's just, it's just so much more fun. Um, then what you're doing. now I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you to the mid journey, uh, just so you see what the insanity that's going on here as well. Um, so, um, this is, so this is mid journey here. Now this is the actual server. Um, and what you're going to see are all of these things that are going on. Now, when you jump in, the first thing you do is go to newbies, because this is where you can actually put in your, your stuff. This is folks that are getting started, you get a credit to make 25 images. And so you can get started and then decide whether you want to pay for it. Um, so these are just newbies throwing ideas in. And the cool thing is, is you get to see what the search terms are. So you can see the search terms across here. Um, you'll notice that these search, short, these search terms are fairly short. And that, while I do some short ones as well, and I'm showing ones that are short, um, the um, so here's someone who who did a who who put their own link in there, um, but while I do some that are short, when you get into the more advanced crews, so that if you go down here into theme image generation, these are the folks that really pro I think some of them only do this in their life. I think that they just literally sit here and and do this stuff, and you'll see um, the you know you'll start to see some stuff that gets much more detailed, you know, um, related to this. And right now, let's see. Let me go to current here. Hold on. Let's see. I will scroll down. Um, and sometimes you'll see, you know, just huge paragraphs of of things here. But this one's actually pretty, 
pretty common. But here's adorable little cosplayer, Chris Kringle, dressed up as Christmas Yule. It's in the Yule section here. So the um uh and so Yule is probably what they're this this guy has a cool fool with a Yule mule and he and it generated that. And for, for whatever reason, these ones aren't as long. Usually when you get into the daily theme, you start seeing these like paragraphs of of stuff. Now there is a fair number of limits. It's generally um uh, now here here here's where you can start to see stuff they're, they're doing the the ar 3.2 that i did they're starting to call things out that they think make a difference i think some of it this is a little bit a mixture of um science and superstition as what people put into these things to to make this work but you'll see that they're adding i want rays of light um you know highly detailed photography photorealistic cinematic i don't know if all of these at the same time make a difference so you know like that's the you know that's kind of the the thing that you have to kind of look at there so but it's a but this is you know the you know you go to like you can see these little paragraphs des describing what they want here um you know and you have and then it has characters that are here it has um this is uh, image the image prompts you know, this is people all using some version of an image prompt to get started um these are you know multi prompts um that are here um you know so there's a lot of different things that are here it's an enormous enormous group of people and they're all learning from each other and you're and the fact that you search inside of discord um for for free means that you're you you get they they what's genius about it is is that it forces everybody to show their 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 work so you're and and so by seeing everybody's work all the time it just creates this um incredible um mashup of 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 these things um anyway next question Morgan Price in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Mid-Journey uh, question. Can we get Mid-Journey to reuse a similar character across multiple images? Let's say we develop an AI character we want to insert in multiple scenes as part of storytelling. Yeah, go ahead, Grant. Oh. Sorry, just cut out of it. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yes, and in, in the same way that I was saying that you could use uh, um, and you upload your own image, you can also reuse an image um, again and then push that back. Um, and so, yeah, you can just keep using URLs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that, yeah, if you did this, if you created that thing and then put, put it back in, you'd just be able to generate this inside of this environment. This inside of this environment would, would be the way to do that. Um, it's a, yeah, um, yeah, it's cool. Next question. Ronnie Hofsey in Tromsø, Norway. Can we add Midjourney bot to the Office Hours Discord? Yeah, yeah, we're working on it. So we'll we'll probably have it within the week. Uh, we'll have a Discord uh, a bot in there that people can play with. Code Sky. This reminds me of Ready Player One when he he reaches out to all of the tribes and says, "Hey, come come do a thing." And I just I felt the entire tribe move towards this this thing all of a sudden. It's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, again, it's something that we all need to learn from each other. And I think we as a group could be learning a lot from each other, um, as our, as a, as a whole. And we'll be doing some of these in after hours when I can probably, uh, at least an hour a week, if not more, just where we just come in and just start throwing search terms in and just see what happens. Um, I will say that sitting around, we were sitting around with a bunch of ex-ILMers sitting around, um, drinking beers, throwing search terms in. <laughs> it was really fun. Like, cause the, the, you know, the, the creativity starts to just churn and people start throwing things out there. Well, I want this with this and this and this, and you end up with something pretty interesting. Um, next question. Next question for Sky Gleason in Seattle, Washington, which payment plan did you buy into and why? 
Go ahead, Sky. I'm starting small. I'm going with the $10, but I did do the annual yearly because this is my entertainment. And I'm sitting here, I've got the newbies 184 channel and it's got a big paragraph of things, but I'm physically watching this creativity flow past and I'm watching teams attack a concept. Like you said, multiple image, multiple ideas coming together and try this, try that. And, and so they have multiple imaginations, you know, exploding it even better and letting the machine do the heavy lifting. But this is, I went with that medium plan. Yeah. There's the, the basic plan, which is 10 bucks a month. There's a, um, there is a medium plan that is $30 a month. Then you can add $20 a month to it to make it a, um, a private so that people don't, everyone doesn't see all the stuff that you're searching for. And then, but if you get the pro plan, which is $60 a month, so you, you end up paying 50 for medium and private, the $60 version gets you medium and private, um, but also twice as much server time. <laughs> so it, so it, it, it turns out the $60 a month makes a lot of difference if you can afford it. Um, I'm on a show that talks about technology. So out of that money that I make on that show, the little small amounts of money I make, it affords me to buy buy things like this is like I'm keeping up with the Joneses so I can talk about it on the show. So so the um so I think that um I'm in a different situation than most. So the but the but what I would say is that it's a um uh it's really the the fun most fun I've had in quite some time, you know, and uh uh so so I think that it's it's probably worth it. Um, but you can do a lot for free to get started and then decide what you want to do, you know, from there. But it's it's an incredible, uh, um, yeah, really incredible community to, to be part of. Next question. Douglas Carmichael asks, do you think we'll ever see on-premise hostable versions of MidJourney or similar tools? I could see it being useful for advertising agencies, for example. Yeah, stable diffusion. Oh, sorry, John, go ahead. Uh, all of these platforms will have the ability to have the API, so you'll be able to pull any of these into any of your third-party applications. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Mitchell. I think it would be good for inspiration, but uh, the client changes would probably uh, crash their servers. Well, and again, I think that the this is where I think that there's going to be a trade off for for client uh, art artists is that I haven't used anything directly other than Christmas cards and, and entertaining people. I haven't used anything that I generated out of Midjourney directly. And even then, if I had had more time, I probably would have fixed all the hands, <laughs> you know, like in, in all of those, uh, you know, all, all the pieces there. Um, the, but what I would say is that I, um, uh, I think that what you'll find is that if you want to brainstorm and show a client a bunch of ideas, you could show them a bunch of ideas that, that are there. And then if they say they like this one, the idea of being able to send them 30 or 40 styles that they may be interested in with their product or whatever they're doing um, is pretty exciting. I mean, it takes you a long time to do that. Then when they say, I want that, you're not going to be able to produce what they want with MidJourney. <laughs> you're immediately going to have to go, now I need to build it. You know, and now, now it is obviously figuring out a lot of the 3D information there because it's lighting it correctly. And so, or it's doing something that, that has that happen. And so at some point, it's, we're going to be able to generate models. And we already seen that with point E, which is what's coming out from uh, OpenAI. Now, point E is you type in something, get a 3D model out of it. And so I think that we're going to be starting to be able to get scenes. But eventually, the final, the funny thing is, is that 90% of the work in computer graphics is the last 10% of the, the image. And so MidJourney is really doing the first 10%, which is just, I'm going to push through all this stuff and give you ideas, but then it's still going to take artists to, to execute exactly what, an art, what a client wants. Um, next question. 
Eric Price in Kansas City, uh, USA. Eric asks, mid-journeys upscaling seems to be random in terms of how large the final version is. What is the trick to high-def image results? Uh, the highest I've seen, it's been a little lower um, in version 4. Version 3 was 2048 by 2048. Version 4 seems to be 15-something or other uh, when it's square. And it and depends on whether you're doing 3 by 2, which seems to just kind of crop it. <laughs> like it's just, But it does frame it that way. So it, it is limited. And again, it's because it's, it has to come up with every one of those pixels. Um, yeah, go ahead, Grant. Yeah, it, it seems to be 1024 wide. I, I haven't seen anything more than that, but if it, it, it can go higher and 1536 seems to go higher. And if it's square, it's 1024. I have seen um, a few people using like 4K as an option and it doesn't go to 4K. I think it, I think it I does some, if, yeah. I think it's telling yeah. it to be sharper. Like it, it right. so it, it, it works harder at being more realistic or more detail. It's like kind of like high detail. So 4K or 8K, but yeah, you don't get a higher um, resolution image. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next question. Sky Gleason, Seattle, Washington, asking, how can you get mid-journey to type the text you want to use for a logo or poster, et cetera? It doesn't understand text yet. <laughs> like it's, it's just pulling images together. It's more like... If you go into, um, you know, some of the markets in Japan, you'll see a bunch of text of American letters that just look cool. Like the way that they're put together, they look nice. It's kind of how MidJourney approaches it. It's like, I don't know what the language is. I'm not, I can't process it. I can't even, you can't even use quotes or anything else. You know, the best you could do possibly would be to put, again, to upload an image of that, of how you want that text to look and put it in there and then say, I want this with this text and it might, might do it. Um, but you are kind of nailing its calculation to the floor as well. So you have to kind of take that into account as well. Uh, next question. Next question from TJ Asher in Minneapolis, Minnesota. What do the different style indicators do? Style low, style medium, style high, style very high, et cetera. I actually don't know. I haven't used those. Um, so you're seeing in some of the pe folks are doing it, they're doing style high. Yeah, in your settings, you can do... Um, when you go into your settings, you can set how you want things to be and some of the defaults. And there are four different style settings. Hmm. And I haven't been able to figure out what they do yet. Well, and, and one of the reasons that I'm interested in having us uh, look at this in general is for us to play with it. Um, you know, I think that we're going to try to bring more people on to talk about this. And, you know, and again, you know, keep on building from what we're, from what we're doing here. And I think that what we want to do is play with it, come up with those, the questions that you're coming up with and, and then talk amongst ourselves, do a little research. And again, these, we're going to do some labs inside of after hours where we, you know, are just hanging out and trying to figure these things out on our own. Go ahead, Grant. Yeah. I was just going to say that, um, one little tip that I found is outside of discord is when you're back on the mid journey, um, site, midjourney.com app, and then you've got your own personal feed, but then you've got community feed. One of the one of the cool things here is that you can you can click on an image, and then you can go and you can get you can copy. Not only you can see the prompt that was down here, so this is the prompt for this one, but you can also go and copy the full command. And if I just put that in the URL, you'll see that the actual command had C twenty in it and AR two to three. Um, and so uh, I don't yeah, know what C twenty is. Yeah, I don't um, know. I, the, the the two to three is giving you the aspect ratio. That's yes, the AR, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Right? Yep, but yep, the, yep. yeah, but um, but I don't yep. know what the yeah, I don't know what yes. C twenty means. 
so there's a little bit more you know that you can you can learn from these by getting that that full command yeah um yeah sometimes it's all, all it is all it is and sometimes there's extra bits going on which i think would be handed off from the parent um and that's the other cool thing with this is that you can follow the the uh the parent back so then you can see if they uh when you're seeing that individual image then you're seeing all the iterations of it um as well so it's really yeah, cool. cool. And again, I think that the best thing we can do is be brainstorming, play with it on your own, um, and then we'll come back together on, on labs and, and kind of work through it. Next question. Mick Martley from Baraboo. Anyone else making depth maps for mid-journey? Create background concept for my indie virtual production stage uh, with 2D image concepts, generate depth maps, bringing them into Blender and eventually Unreal Engine so I can track the camera and scene. Rick, I would love to know how you're building depth maps. <laughs> so, so that would uh, that would be an interesting, like how you're building the depth maps from those would be fascinating to us. Um, next question. Lois Richter in Davis, California asks, how does one make a second Discord account and how many can one have? You know, I wouldn't recommend it. Oh, I mean, oh, unless you're just, you're talking about just jumping into a new server. Um, so um, you don't need to create a new discount account. And I would definitely not do that. Like the, there's a bunch of security stuff that gets really complicated. I accidentally made two. And I just spent uh, a couple of days ago, I had to spend like an hour unwrapping those because they were part and part. And I just didn't realize I had done it. But I, do, I would not build two Discord accounts. Um, you can change your name in each server. And if what you're talking about is how do you join another server, um, you just have to get an invite from someone. Just ask anybody on Discord that's already in mid-journey for the invite. They'll send you the invite. You click on it, and it just adds another server. I'm I'm on like 25 servers, and so you just have another server down the side that you can jump into. But you don't have to have another Discord account. You can just jump into as many servers as you want. Um, a note that you can drag them so that you can keep the ones that matter the most at the top um, so that you can keep track of them. Now, next question. Next question from Craig McFarlane in Boston, Massachusetts. Craig asked, how much can you get done without subscribing? 25 images, I think. I think you get 25 images, and then you got to start um, throwing money in. And it starts at about $10 a month. So, you know, you get a little bit at $10 a month. And uh, I, I apologize because it's... <laughs> It's a it's a rough addiction that, that you that you start uh, you start jumping up on. Uh, I would recommend um, if you're playing with an idea, try to go. Yeah, if you do the yearly subscription, Jeffrey pointed out it's eight dollars a month. the The yearly is forty eight dollars a month if you do the if you, for the pro subscription, which is what I did. Um, just because I was just like, oh, I just gotta you know this is something I'm gonna want to do for the next year. Um, but uh, but I would highly recommend getting at least the medium one so that you have a little bit. But you can spend a lot of time on relaxed playing with ideas. And then you, you just do slash relaxed and then you just can play with ideas. It takes a little longer. And then when you want to refine something, go back to fast uh, or, or you're trying to get Christmas cards out, then you just stay in fast and just burn up that, burn up those hours. Next question. TJ Asher from Minneapolis, Minnesota. What app does Alex use to share the mid-journey photos to his screen with the black background? Oh, it's very high tech. It's called uh, it's it's called Keynote. <laughs> so that was just Keynote. I just threw a whole bunch of them into Keynote, and and they all they all snapped in. So that was that was all I did. Uh, next question: James Babbitt in San Diego, California. How does having Mid Journey on Discord improve the creativity of Mid Journey? It's because you got six and a half million people thinking together. It it is so important. You know, there's no, you know, 
there is no way that the imagery and mid journey would be anywhere near where it is now if, if it didn't exist inside of discord uh, it is the most it's not just the largest community in discord it's probably the most technically forward-thinking discord i've ever seen like there is so much going on and there is such a, I, I keep so in addition to that i'm taking notes of things i like and don't like about or mostly what I like. There's almost nothing I don't like about the Discord that Midjourney has. Um, and by the way, the, their service, I had a problem with billing or whatever. I don't understand how that company, like in, they solved my problem in 30 minutes. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, when I had a billing problem, it was, and that was all the back and forth. I mean, they, they responded in two minutes. And so it's an incredibly responsive, um, you know, community group. But it's the fact that you get to see, the big thing is, is there's so many people and you get to see the search terms. You see the image and you see the search terms and you go, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, I'll do that next. And and I'll add these things. And and so now I have to admit, I'm not a very good community member because I'm mostly um, doing it on my own, but I do watch everybody else's. <laughs> next question. Lois Richter, Davis, California, asking, one of the style options is Pixar. What is that style? Did Alex have anything to do with creating that style? No, I had nothing to do with it. I don't know. Like, we'd have to play with it. It's interesting to see what the machine thinks of as a style, you know, because it's not, basically, it probably saw as every image ever put on the web that has a Pixar image, and it's, it's created some idea, which will be interesting. Yeah, go ahead, Mitchell, real quick. I would love to ask Jim Morris what he thinks of that. Yeah, exactly. Next question. Douglas Carmichael, why do you think the mid-journey developers hosted the service on Discord instead of a web page or modular service that could be plugged into any platform? I think it's because of the, the, they just see the Discord as the future of, of communities interacting with each other. And they decided to, you know, to be part of that, <laughs> like, in, in, and leverage it. It does so much work for them that they don't have to do. That is, and, you know, uh, even an Electron app, which is what Discord is, is better than the web. Um, next question. Juan C. Robles in Mexico City, Mexico. Anyone knows if having mid-journey on a private server, the resulting images are private? Um, I don't, well, right now the private servers are are. Stable diffusion is what you would install if you want a truly private server. And that is something you can also train. You can give it a bunch of hundreds of images of something you're training it on. And then those are all stuff that you have. It's not going anywhere. Next question. Douglas Carmichael, could you see copyright trademark claims by artists that think their work was used in mid-journey created content? Good, Jesse. Uh, absolutely. There will be tremendous attempts at litigation on this, as there is with anything that grows very, very popular very quickly and has anything to do with the arts. Uh, more interesting than the uh, claims and suits filed will be the outcomes of those claims and suits. So don't get too excited by the flashy headlines when those claims are filed. I think it's going to be a hard, it's, it's legally, the case is very difficult. Like, I, I don't, I don't, they're going to try but I think that this is a pretty, pretty steep hill. Go ahead, John. I just put my chat GPT attorney and let him sue the, sue the other party. <laughs> exactly. Go ahead, Mitchell. I think there's a whole new category of intellectual property that's going to pop up just because of AI and doing exactly what MidJourney does. Yeah, I think that the question really is, is, well, some people will say that that's NFTs. So NFTs are copyright without the copyright. You know, you could literally build a MidJourney image and then give it an wrap it with an NFT, and then that has its own value, theoretically. I mean, that's the you know. So the block the blockchain is the next copyright if you're not going to want to interact with a government entity. Then the, um, the other question is the uh, the intent aspect, the intent to defraud. That's going to be a tough one. Jesse, 
There, there's another uh, another side to this coin, and that is uh, a sense of ownership over the images that somebody encourages Midjourney to create, and uh, what that world of litigation is going to look like. Just a thought. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I, I think that the, the the big thing again, I and I, I mentioned it at the very beginning. And I keep on talking about it. And what keeps on coming up for me is how much I'm having fun using the images for my own entertainment and for sending things out to people who are using my own things. I'm not sure that selling this stuff in a traditional ma manner is really the future. I think that the future may be people just entertaining themselves, their friends, their families, their cohorts with things may be all that's necessary. And the problem is now you're in a really conundrum because the people aren't selling it. They're not trying to get copyright. They're not trying to do other things like that. They're just having a good time putting it together. And so I think that, that is the, that's the real um, you know, complexity of this conversation um, is that it, it may not, a lot of it, especially when it's in a conundrum where we don't know what copyright you can do, you're going to see this huge explosion of people. Like that's what happened in TikTok. Everyone's sharing each other's stuff and it became a culture and they weren't worried about copyright. <laughs> They're just having fun, you know? And so I think that that's the, uh, maybe the copyright doesn't matter, you know, and that's going to be, and maybe it diffuses everything so much, <laughs> literally, um, that the copyright becomes less and less important. So it's just a, it's a really interesting puzzle. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Sky, real quick. I heard a podcast that when sheet music was starting to soup the radio industry, when, when radio first became a thing, because nobody was sitting around playing their own piano anymore. They were just turning the dial and listening to somebody else do it for them. Yes, yeah, it's, it's always the thing, you know, but, but we're going to, you know, this is stills. The video is already starting to become a thing. Uh, within two years, you'll be sitting there generating video sequences of things that you're interested in, in these styles, in these processes. Ever, you know, it's, you know, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be like we are looking at the 160 by 120 version of video right now, you know, and we'll be at HD in two years and 4K in five years and 8K in 10 years. And so it's. And then you know, Skynet at some point, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, next question. Uh, might be our last question here. Lois Richter in Davis, California, asking, can one buy, can one buy into this company? Good, John. So Google bought DeepMind, which is the which is the AI platform that bet one go and, and has the best chess engine on the planet. And then um, ChatGPT um, is is invested by Microsoft. And so you've got the you've mm -hmm. got the behemoths battling each other. There's going to be a new bubble. Yeah. Uh, in AI, you're going you're, you're to see a ton of new startups coming 2023. And Midjourney is uh, wholly owned by the the guys that write it. I believe. I don't think there's any investment yet, or there may never be. They may have figured out. You know, they just might be doing it as a private company. So it's really interesting to to see that too. All right, there we go. It was a fun conversation. <laughs> that was good. Uh, you know, so uh, we'll we'll be keep on we'll keep on having these. These are a big deal. We're going to be doing labs in, in after hours. So stay tuned, look at the emails. We'll announce them there. Um, and they may be, some of them may be informal. I may just show up with mid journey and we'll start doing stuff, but, but a lot of them will be, um, and I would recommend when you can is to jump into, into after hours and just hang out, <laughs> you know, just leave your, listen to it. Um, uh, and, um, so, so check that out. And, um, uh, but, but cause a lot of times we're jumping in and out you might want to just have the speaker on and listen to what's going on. And sometimes it's silent and, but usually it's something kind of cool, um, but that's a great way to use after hours.
All right, we're going to jump in. Thanks so much to our producers. Great questions, uh, great conversation. Thanks to our panelists. Can't do this without you. Thanks to the incredible crew. Um, now we are going to make, be making a lot of changes over the next two or three weeks, and so uh, great work there. And now we're going to jump into after hours. A quick reminder that uh, um, that we have a special guest in after hours right now. So when we jump out of here, I would highly recommend moving over there. Um, so so stay tuned for that. There's I can't say what it is, but be worth checking out. All right. Thanks so much. Let's jump into after hours. Translation. That means it's go. always worth it. I gotta go. I gotta go into after hours right Bye. now. Bye. It's always great to have a grant signing. So like, am I the only one who stayed till the end of the credits? <laughs>